And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Flashback Friday. I am your emergency sit-in host, Mike Lutz, from World of Myth Bits podcast. Uh, what I'm going to do, and I'm just going to introduce a couple shows, and we're going to kick it off with Tree Frog number, uh, episode number 48. Hey, welcome back, everyone. I am Reaper Rick. I bid you welcome to the Tree Frog Exposé Café. Uh, this episode is dedicated to Morpheus, the Greek god of dreams. And yes, that would probably indicate we're going to be talking about dreams a little bit later. But first, I have a, uh, an update on me again. I believe last episode I talked about how disappointed I was that uh, I was unable to figure out how to work um, cannabis into my medication regime regiment. I did. I really hoped that uh, it would help alleviate the pain that I've been having all month. Um, and I experimented for a week <clears throat> with different combinations of medication and cannabis and uh, just didn't seem to be working. So I, I just left it alone for a few days and then I, I was thinking about it and I thought, well, just because one experiment fails doesn't mean that the hypothesis is necessarily unfounded. So, being the scientific-minded little creature that I am, I decided to go back to the table and experiment uh, some more. And I did. I, uh, I also was able to get another medication from my doctor um, it's a very low dose of morphine, and he wanted me to, you know, try that and see if it helped at all. If it didn't, he could increase it, if it did, then whatever, fine. But the first night I tried just the morphine, I left everything else out, and it was one of the worst nights I've, I've ever spent. It was just terrible. The morphine by itself did absolutely nothing to uh, stave off the pain, so... I decided to uh, use the morphine as an uh, augment, sort of, with my Norco, and also go back and see if I could uh, use the cannabis to help out of all. So what I started doing was take, taking the morphine 
early in the uh, afternoon. Let's take the edge off of everything. And then before I went to bed, I would take my, uh, you know, the two Norco that I would normally take before bed. And then right before I went to bed, I would uh, smoke a little pot. And by little, I just mean taking three or four hits. And then all I wanted to do was, you know, lie down and close my eyes. Now, just that little amount of uh, marijuana would not make me want to go to sleep, but it so relaxed me. It was just such a complete cessation of all cares and worries. I just wanted to lay down, close my eyes, and just enjoy the feelings. Um, not to mention the fact that my mind was just racing in all different angles, all different directions, rather. And I was able to, uh, you know, work on sometimes three and four different things at the same time. By that I mean, like, you know, I, had, I had my music on and my feet are tapping to the music. And I'm thinking about one thing with one side of my head and another thing with another side of my head. And I was able to keep all of these things, balls up in the air, so to speak, until I realized that I was doing something with another part of my brain or body. And as soon as I consciously thought about it, then everything fell apart. So subconsciously, I was doing just great, and I just had to try to uh, ignore whatever else I was doing, and you know, concentrate on what was important at the moment. Another thing is that during the first week of experiments, I uh, was so intent on having a result, specific result i.e. My, my pain being diminished, um, that I didn't really have a chance to appreciate, I guess you could say, the other aspects of uh, cannabis inhalation. And this time, this past week, I was more fully able to appreciate the uh, additional consequences, if you will, of uh, smoking. Um, for one thing, I rediscovered the smooth, sweet, silky taste of chocolate, especially dark chocolate. Oh my god, that is just so amazingly good. But, um, aside from that, oh, well, let me get back to the, the actual experiment itself. So, I took the morphine earlier in the evening, took the narco, smoked the cannabis, and then essentially went to bed. Even though I, I didn't fall asleep right away, I was able to just relax so well 
that eventually I was able to sleep and I was able to sleep soundly. Now, it doesn't mean the pain never appeared because it did. I was, I was awakened a few times during each night with pain, but uh, I was able to get back to sleep almost immediately and the pain did not last uh, for hours and hours and hours and keep me awake like it had been in the past. So I was able to actually sleep well uh, for those, I spent three nights in a row. So apparently, whatever I was doing with the medication seems to have worked. I'm going to continue that uh, same regimen and see if my luck holds, basically. And uh, if it does, then, you know, I've got something to work with. So that's the good news. Well, actually, there is only good news. I don't have any bad news to go on with that. At least not at this point. <coughs> Excuse me. So, <clears throat> at any rate, um, I mean, before this, uh, before this little experiment began, I hadn't even seen pot in like 25 or 30 years, you know, and I hadn't uh, hadn't smoked any for longer than that. Back in uh, back in my college days. I was uh, readily available and extremely cheap. So that was something that uh, a lot of people did, a lot of, but uh, it was, uh, it was uh, for the most part, pretty rasty uh, crap. You know, usually smuggled over the border from Mexico or something. And all we got were basically uh, leaves and stems and seeds. Uh, I don't know what they were doing with the buds in those days, but we certainly didn't get any of them. <clears throat> so we were just, you know, happy to get what we had there. So when you're, when you're rolling up a uh, joint or whatever, there were frequently chunks of stems and the occasional seed mixed in with the stuff you put inside the papers. Now, those seeds, when they get hot, when they're exposed to the, uh, the ember on the end of the cigarette there, they will explode. I mean, it's not a big explosion or anything, but uh, there's just enough moisture inside those seeds still to uh, heat up and expand rapidly, and they pop. And everyone, you know, was trying to uh, get their hit off the off the the joint and pass it on before the thing blew up in their face. <clears throat> and it's, it was especially bad if you were getting down, you know, toward the end of the little roach piece, and uh, you know your lips were like really close. And if it went off, then you know you could burn yourself. But it wasn't a a deadly consequence or anything. It was just one of those things that you hope didn't happen to you. Um, and 
again in those days, you know, we were able to smoke, you know, three or four joints passing around between three and five people and, and still sit and talk, you know, and converse about um, shit, music and other things that were important to young men in college at the time, like, you know, women. But, you know, we were able to converse and uh, listen to music and whatnot. Well, nowadays, we, uh, you almost always get buds when you, when you buy uh, decent weed. And they, they dry the plants upside down when they're harvested. So, all of the resin in the, uh, the trunks and, and everything uh, kind of flows down to uh, where the buds are and the top leaves. And uh, so nowadays you get buds. I don't know what they do with the leaves and stems anymore. Maybe they use those for edibles or something. I don't know, but we don't get those anymore. Now we get still, I mean, we get buds. And uh, this batch of stuff that I got was really, really resin heavy. And it is uh, very good, very strong weed. And I personally would not want to try to operate a motor vehicle after just taking, you know, three or four hits off of this shit. Seriously, it relaxes me so much. All I can do and all I want to do is just lie down and close my eyes and go with it. So it's a lot stronger, I guess, because you're getting, you know, bud. Um, and it's a lot better stuff than uh, we got when I was a kid or at least younger. So... <clears throat> There are, there are many, many other aspects to uh, the cannabis, aside from uh, what you're looking for, or what I was looking for, or in the medicinal aspect of it, you know, the anti-inflammatory aspect of it. Uh, it definitely works for calming down um, anxiety, depression, uh, stress. You know, you are just totally calm, so calm, in fact, um, you don't want to get up for anything, <clears throat> so it has, you know, good points and bad points, but if you're using it in a medicinal aspect, like I am at this point, um, it, it works perfectly, um, some of the other things, however, that uh, uh, do crop up occasionally. I, I ran into recently and uh, I had forgotten, you know, some of this shit. Um, I had come in to, and I was lying down in my bed, you know, lights were off and had the radio on and I was just jelling completely. And I, I guess I you know, like dozed off because all of a sudden I caught myself taking a, a big rapid breath going like I had uh, <clears throat> excuse me forgotten to breathe or something and I was catching my breath 
And the first time that happened, I didn't really pay much attention to it. I dozed off again, I guess. And a couple of minutes later, I woke up with the same problem, taking a, a real deep breath to you know, catch my breath because I had essentially stopped breathing. And then I realized that I go, oh my God, I fucking stopped breathing. And then I remembered that I had just done it a few minutes before that too. And I thought, fuck, I can't go to sleep. I'll stop breathing and die. Now that's paranoia. You know, that's another aspect of, of cannabis that tends to be um, on the downside. It's when you start getting paranoid about trivial shit. Although dying is not trivial, but um, but as soon as I said that to myself, actually I was talking out loud, I think. As soon as I said that it, you know, I'll stop breathing and I'll die, I remembered that breathing is a uh, non-reflexive act. And, you know, your body breathes on its own whether you're awake or asleep. So I thought, oh, okay, I'm safe. Uh, and then I later on thought, well, on the other hand, I do have a little bit of sleep apnea. And I was thinking, um, if I get really, really, really relaxed, you know, plus I'm on, you know, morphine and, and Norco and shit. I mean, if I got really, really relaxed, you know, maybe I could just not take another breath one of those times then I really would die and I thought okay you know whatever so I mean you go from frank paranoia to frank absurdity I guess but those are just you know some of the many side effects that you can run across when you're smoking. Okay, and I, I did want to mention something here, I guess, before I forget about it again. Uh, this episode is technically a week early because I just did an episode last week, and I now I'm only doing uh, an episode every two weeks usually, unless I have something you know important to say, but... I'm doing this one this week, especially because I just found out that uh, the Jesuman podcasters are going to be taking the month of February off. So after January, there won't be any new podcasts posted until March. So next week, and you know, for two or three weeks after that. You know, don't be looking for any new podcasts because there's just not going to be any. Uh, they're still going to do the Friday uh, uh, grab bag or whatever it's called where they have uh, three uh, previous episodes back to back. But you never know who's going to turn up in those. And regardless of where you're listening to this podcast, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or podcast.com or whatever all of those places get um, their copies of the podcast from the Jason Munn site where we're all 
where we all podcast. So anyway, um, no podcasts in February. We'll be back in March. Though. All right, cool. All right, got that out of the way. <clears throat> Just have one one bit of kind of sad news here. Seventy-two-year-old uh, Eric Lawson. Uh, who was another one of the Marlboro Cowboys in the uh, cigarette ads during the 60s and 70s. Uh, Eric Lawson has died of uh, lung disease complications. <clears throat> Said that he had been smoking since he was 14. Uh, anyway, he's not the first Marlboro uh, Cowboy to die, but it's just, you know, there's another one. So, anyway, sympathies go out to the family. So, I was watching a documentary the other night uh, called Cave of Forgotten Dreams. And it is a documentary about the uh, Chavez Cave, I think it's Chavez, it should be Chavez, but anyway, Chavez Cave in southern France, which was discovered in 1994, and this cave has some of the best preserved and most amazing cave paintings that have yet to have been discovered, you know, on Earth. Um, <clears throat> they've dated the paintings to between uh, 30 and 32,000 years ago. Um, and they're pretty sure that's accurate because apparently the mouth of the cave was blocked in a landslide uh, some 29,000 years ago or something, 23,000 years ago. I can't remember which one it was now. But anyway, the, the place has been uh, basically closed off from uh, the elements and people for over 20,000 years. So the uh, paintings and the other artifacts that they have found in the cave have been undisturbed for a long time. Now, what is unusual as well about these paintings is that, aside from being very old, they are very beautifully done. Um, pictures of rhinos, horses, uh, predatory animals, Lions, cheetahs, uh, not cheetahs, hyenas, bears, things like that. Um, no people, no stick figures. These, these are actually amazing paintings of animals. Um, some have shading on them. Some have actual different color pigment, you know, on them to make them appear different. They're not all the same animal. There's one, one spot where there are four horses uh, kind of lined up together. And all four horses have slightly different heads. 
they have different names. And anyone who has ever tried to draw a horse um, and make it look like a horse knows that it's, a horse is not a real easy animal to draw. And yet, these animals are done extremely well. And watching, watching, you know, the, the scientists and everything going through there and showing the pictures and everything, I was just wondering, 30,000 years ago, I mean, that was like still in the middle of the last ice age. Um, and I was, I was just wondering, where did this artist come from? Because if you think about it, in a world which has no art, per se, 30,000 years ago, in a world which has no art, who would want to be an artist? I, I don't know of anyone who just wakes up one morning and says, wow, I want to be an artist, you know, and then goes out and becomes one. Most people with artistic ability, I mean, innate artistic ability, still have to have some sort of training or uh, schooling or teaching or apprenticeship or something so they they learn how to hone their art make it as best as it can be and here's this cave with all of these amazing pictures in it where did the artist I mean, where did he come from? How come all of a sudden there's an artist in southern France who's doing all these pictures? And you know they're not doing them from life. You know, they didn't bring the horses and rhinos and shit into the cave with them and, and sit there and look at them while they were sketching them on the wall. They were all from memory. Things this guy had seen. And apparently they somebody had even, in a lot of places, had scraped the cave walls smooth so they would have a better surface, a better you know, art, art surface, drawing surface, whatever. And again, they're shading. They have, some of the animals have, they, they try to apply movement by uh, giving some of the animals like eight legs instead of four, so it looked like they were running. Um, there are other signs of uh, motion attempts, and they actually have animals interacting with each other in a couple of pictures, which uh, is not seen on a regular basis. Again, there were no stick figures of people or anything. This was just art. And yes, it, it probably did have some sort of magical meaning to the, uh, uh, the 
people, you know, whether it was to grant them good hunting or whatever. I don't know, but the thing that just drives me crazy is where did this guy come from and why did he suddenly just appear and do all these drawings? It's not like, you know, there were sketches and then erasures and then, you know, going over it again and again and again until he got right. I mean, it looks like the guy just took a piece of charcoal and just, you know, with broad strokes, just made these amazing fucking pictures. Ah, it's just mind-boggling. To me, anyway, um, I appreciate art, obviously, but uh, it drives me crazy to think that, I mean, how did this guy get training? Was he, like, drawing on rocks outside or bark or something or skins? Was he just a doodler as a child? Where did this come from? You know, usually uh, artistic ability is genetic. Um, and a, a really, really good artist has to, you know, practice for a long time before he actually becomes really, really good. So it's just very, very odd as far as I'm concerned. Beautiful, beautiful, but odd. And, um, again, I thought I'd just throw that out there. Uh, for anyone who is interested, it's the Chavet Chabot Cave, C-H-A-U-B-E-T Cave in southern France. Uh, you can find it on Wikipedia, you can find it on Yahoo, they have pictures, you know, from the cave uh, up on Yahoo. Very, very interesting. And just, you know, just for anyone who is curious, like I was. <clears throat> okay. Uh, moving on. I guess. I guess we can go to the dream segment of the program. Um, dreams are still. To this day, not understood completely. Um, there are many, many, many theories, dozens of theories, as to what dreams are, why people dream, why some people don't dream, or at least don't remember their dreams. Pretty sure everyone does dream. It's, it's a requirement, I think, for the mind, the brain, to. Uh, uh, expel ideas and situations that have uh, clogged it up, let's say. But why do people dream specific dreams? Don't know. Nobody dreams. Nobody does. Um, for the longest time, uh, many people have speculated that the function of dreams was to allow the brain to uh, process, encode, and transfer data from our short-term memory to our long-term memory section 
long-term memory section of the brain. Uh, basically, the, uh, the important thoughts that you encountered or thought about during the day, the previous day, um, those thoughts are all cataloged, basically, at night while you're sleeping and stored, hopefully, in your long-term memory. And doctors, scientists, whatever, have considered that uh, that's what dreams were for, that it was taking these uh, signals, basically electrical impulses that you stored in your short-term memory during the day, and then they would transfer those memories and thought processes into your long-term memory while you were dreaming. Now, <clears throat> I don't, uh, I don't believe that entirely. I think the act of dreaming is a separate function of the brain because, um, again, not everyone dreams a lot. Um, so if you were only going to be loading up your long-term memory during a dream session, it would have to work really, really quickly if you were only dreaming for a few seconds every night. No, I don't think I, I don't think that's it. I think dreaming is a separate function. I agree that at some point the brain has to um, quantify all the crap that's in your head and put it somewhere so it's just not all bouncing around in there in the way. <clears throat> but that takes place through another brain function while sleeping is in progress. But dreaming itself comes from a, another area of the brain and is separate from any other aspect the brain may be dealing with. Now, I personally feel as a long-term dreamer that uh, dreams originate in like, one portion of the brain and even though for the most part we don't remember our dreams uh, dreams like every other memory we have is stored away somewhere in what I like to call it our dream library because <clears throat> some people have recurring dreams and I did as a, as a, a youngster and into adulthood I would have the same dream over and over and over and over again. And it got to the point where uh, very early on in the dream, I would know where I was going and 
I knew that I was dreaming, which is unusual to a certain extent. Some people can, can do that, in other words, know they're dreaming, um, and even have a, a bit of control over what they do within the dream, because they already know it's a dream, and they know what's going to happen, so they can potentially change some of the outcome of the dream, but this dream concerned a house, and of the many dozens of times I've dreamed about this particular house, I never entered the house in my dream. And for such a long time, I would have this dream over and over again where I would be somewhere in the city and I would just start walking, uh, apparently aimlessly. But I would always end up on the sidewalk in front of this house. And like I said, eventually um, I got to, to realize that when I was walking the city streets here, I just knew where I was going to end up. And I knew that I was dreaming the same dream again. But I never entered the house in my dream. Um, eventually, I wrote a story about this dream. And in the story, I entered the house for the first time. And what I found in the house was something that happened to me in real life, but was also a nightmare. And I incorporated a waking nightmare with this dreaming nightmare. And uh, I'm pretty sure that after I wrote that story, I didn't dream about that house anymore. And that story was in my first book, uh, Dreams of Darkness, Dreams of Night. recurring dream is beyond me, especially since I, I never uh, culminated the dream, I guess you could say, by entering the house and finding out what was there, but when I wrote the story, I did. I, I entered the house, I found out what was there, I confronted it, and I didn't dream about it anymore after that. Um, that old house was replaced eventually by another old house. Uh, and this old house was the Victorian home that my mother and stepfather purchased in Tulare, California many, many years ago. And I and they were restoring the house. <clears throat> and eventually I moved up there and I spent almost five years working on the house with them almost every day. And uh, by the time I left, the place was um, nearly 
as beautiful as it was, you know, when it was first built. I mean, they put everything back because uh, people who had owned the house uh, before them had ripped out a lot of the original uh, fixtures and furnishings and everything. Uh, and my mother and stepfather spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars going back and putting everything back the way it was. I mean, the, the paneling on the wainscoting, uh, the uh, chair bumpers, the picture rails, the wallpaper on, on the ceilings, the walls and everything. Uh, got down to the bare floors again in the house. Uh, the kitchen was completely, uh, well, it was remodeled earlier on. So they tore out all the new shit and put in all the old shit again. Um, and it was, a, it was a gorgeous house. The only reason they left it was because they couldn't, they didn't have the energy anymore to keep it up. But anyhow. So I spent so much time working on that house that I started dreaming about it. And even now, periodically, I'll dream about that house, but it's never quite the way it actually was. It's always different. There's always either more rooms or, I mean, there's just something different about it every single time. It's always an old house and it's always, I always know that that was my mother's house. Even if it doesn't look like it from the outside or from the inside or whatever, I still knew it was the house. <clears throat> and, uh, of course, those are never bad dreams, really. They're just curious because of all the weird shit that happens. And, but regardless of that, I was saying that, um, right, I think dreams are stored somewhere in this, you know, massive labyrinth of uh, brain tissue in there. Every, every freaking thing you've ever encountered in your life is stored away somewhere in there. Um, and I don't see why dreams wouldn't be stored as well, especially since, uh, like I said, you have recurring dreams sometimes and they would have to be stored away somewhere for them to be pretty much exactly the same at least time. But anyway. So what are dreams? Well, dreams are basically just electrical, electrical impulses. Um, why do we dream? Apparently, it's, it's necessary for creatures of higher intelligence to, I guess, relax um, the brain, give it a chance to basically blow off steam. Um, all mammals dream, and uh, scientists believe that some other animals, reptiles and birds, may dream as well, but uh, oddly enough, man, humans, are just kind of like in the middle of the uh, mammal dream range. Uh, 
creatures up at the high end of the dream range. In other words, the ones who dream most often are possums and armadillos. Why in the hell would they get to dream so much? What the hell do they have to dream about anyway? <clears throat> but apparently, um, you know, they've stuck electrodes in their heads and shit and monitored their brain waves and crap like that. And so armadillos and opossums are the leading dreamers in the Danielian world. Ah, I would, I would beg to differ with that, but then, you know, whatever. I've always dreamed. Um, research has shown that people who grew up in the 40s and 50s, and I guess early 60s too, who were exposed to black and white television uh, for a lot of years, tend to dream in black and white more often than color. Eh, whatever. I don't know uh, if that's a reason or a cause or not. I know when I was a kid, a lot of my dreams were in black and white, and they started out just like Saturday morning cartoons did. You know, there's, there's, there's music in the background, and um, curtains open up and you have the title of the cartoon and everything and then you have the, the cartoon well my dreams were like that a lot um, there would be music and the curtains would open up on this little stage in my head and there would be a title of my dream and it wasn't a cartoon it was a dream dream but it was still in black and white um, that was as a kid <coughs> but also, as a kid, I was able, to a certain extent, to um, control what I would dream about. I discovered that if I lay in bed, you know, and concentrated really hard on whatever it was I wanted to dream about until I fell asleep, I would frequently, not always, but frequently, dream about whatever it was I was concentrating on. I thought that was pretty cool, you know, being able to control your own dreams. Uh, <clears throat> as I got older, I started dreaming in color. And I don't, I don't think I dream in black and white at all anymore. I know I dream lots of color. Uh, but, where do the particular dreams come from and why do we have specific dreams? Well, again, no one knows. Uh, general consensus is that dreams are a way to uh, take information that has been input you know, during the day or the previous days or whatever and try to make sense out of it. I, uh, I don't really buy that either because uh, dreams I have usually have almost nothing whatsoever to do with anything 
I may have experienced in the last few days. Um, I, I have a lot of bad dreams. Um, not nightmares specifically, but dreams that are or fill me with uh, anger, frustration, angst, anxiety. Uh, I know that I can, if the dream is really, really bad and I want to get out of it, I can wake myself up by screaming. Um, that's usually a really, really bad dream if I have to wake myself up by screaming. Uh, <clears throat> but I can do that if I need to. Other times, uh, dreams are just really bad, but you can't get out of it. You just have to, you know, go with the flow, I guess, and, 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 and participate in whatever is happening, whether you want to or not, but you're just you know, trapped in the dream. <laughs> Uh, you might hear my birds in the background there arguing about some bullshit. <clears throat> Nightmares are the freakiest dreams you can have, I guess. Uh, there's no rhyme or reason for the most part. Dave was just asking me recently, um, he had a weird, weird nightmare the other night. He wanted to know what causes that type of nightmare because I mean he obviously had nothing happen to him during the day that would have uh, turned into a dream of that type so what is it Jim? I think that you store information in different pockets different uh, well like pigeonholes, you know. You know, information gets shoved into these things, and sometimes it sits there unused for years, and sometimes it's bits and pieces of shit are pulled out, and you know, they forms a dream of some sort. Um, but nightmares, I think, are triggered by stress and even if it's not stress you're aware of, or anxiety, something that is weighing you down, your mind down, and nightmares flare up as a way for your mind to look at stressful situations and try to figure a way to get out of it. And you do this in a dream, so you don't have to make foolish choices while you're awake. If the situation, the stressful situation, were to uh, become paramount or explode in your face or whatever. That's just a, a, a silly hypothesis, but I don't know uh, what else or what other reason uh, nightmares would would pose? I mean, what the hell are they good for? 
they scare the shit out of you, and they, they give you a flight or fight syndrome uh, reaction. <clears throat> and it has usually nothing whatsoever to do with your real life. It's just it's just a dream. But I think that it does have something to do with your real life. You just haven't been able to uh, take all the pieces from the dream puzzle and put them together in our real life to see what it is we're supposed to do here. Uh, people have often thought that uh, dreams foretold future. Um, in the Middle Ages, naturally, uh, dreaming was considered evil and it was frowned upon and you weren't supposed to do it uh, because the church said it was bad and of course uh, sexual dreams were the worst possible thing you can do about and that's where the incubus and succubus originated and, uh, good people have bad dreams well, it's certainly not something they would want. Therefore, it must be caused by something evil that comes to them in the night and forces them to dream this. So the evil entity can absorb your, well, your stuff, I guess. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but, uh, Dreaming, dreamings, dreaming, dreaming has always been part of the human uh, psyche and uh, will continue to be whether we know why we do it or not. Uh, I'm actually running over a little bit here, so I guess I should wrap this up. I might be able to uh, come back to it next time, which will be in March, don't forget. And... Uh, and I'm sure I'll have another update for you on my progress. So, sweet dreams, everyone. Uh, until I talk to you again in March, I hope that uh, everyone does well for a change. So far, this year hasn't been all that uh, good to me, but... I hope and I know that for the people in the Midwest who have been suffering through the polar vortex nonsense, I'm sure that they are not doing too well. But I hope everyone is safe and I will talk to you when I can. Good night, all. And there you have it, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that little look back. Uh, we're going to go right into our next show, which um, is... When in Burbank, number 20. Welcome to When in Burbank. I'm David K. Montoya. And I am Miss Sadie Burbank. I can't believe it. We're at our final episode. I know, huh? It's for you people out there, because we didn't mention it in the last episode. It was actually a decision that was made in between recordings. I was going to say, we didn't know it ourselves to no. mention it no. at the time. It was something we decided, as you say, between episodes. Um... Uh, so, though this is going to be the last one in Burbank, 
this will not be the last, you know, David K. Montoya as Sadie Burbank podcast. Or as Sadie Burbank, David K. Montoya podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who has issues about billing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it won't be because... <laughs> what we know, right? Is that what we're calling what it? What we, we think. What we think. What we think. What we think is going to be Yeah, the not deal. what we know, because we don't know shit. <laughs> okay. What we think. We'll be replacing uh, Winnebago Bank. Plus, we're going to have... It's going to be more structured. Is the game That's the game plan, yeah. Because I made a list. Remember I said I'd make a list of topics, possible topics. Because the, the hope, if I, if I am reading you right and you're reading me right, the hope is for us to have weekly discussions about specific topics and what we think about whatever those topics are like uh we talked a lot about movies but a specific for example type of movie like uh i mean a type of movie discussion for example we could have a discussion about um um old versus new movies uh Musicals, mysteries, horrors, animated, film noir, uh, actors and actresses, comedians, comedians, uh, triple threats, uh, theater viewing versus in-home viewing, television shows, authors and books, directors, musical scores, and that's just movies. Um, from there, I came up with other other ideas, theme parks. And other activities, electronics, Ooh. which includes everything from cell phones and computers and television sets to websites and so on. Restaurants, foods, good, bad, and ugly, uh, healthy, not healthy, whatever. Uh, drinks, alcoholic or not. Uh, and that's when we could do our How Long Does It Take Grandma to Get Soused episode. <laughs> um, Shopping online versus brick and mortar. Um, methods of payment, because today that in itself is is a whole wide variety of. I mean, there's. It used to just be cash or barter, basically. Right. <laughs> and of course, it's it's not now. Exercise. I came up with pros and cons, types of places to so forth. Um, information sources. Like who do you trust? Newspapers, TV, radio, mags, online, word of mouth. And see, I came up with more the way to separate the the um, the show. Yeah. And the first one I have is is uh, the email back, and I thought it would be fun to see if we can bring the listeners in. And I say, also have look at this is so funny. Topics for. Listeners send in requests. Yes, and that's essentially what it is. Our brains are too much alike. That's scary. And what we would do is they, you know, once a week send in a request for whatever. Mm -hmm. We address whatever they request, you know, just mm -hmm. in that amount of Acknowledge time. Acknowledge the request. Yeah. And, and, you know, and say, you know, Sadie Burbank from the Spirit of California. You know, I mean, we actually say who they are. So they, their name gets put out there. Right, right, right. So-and-so requested. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, another one I think is a good one just because it seems like it's really happening a lot um, lately 
I don't know about in general, but I was thinking about covering once a week of who's passed, you know, as far as like famous people. Yeah. Um, because we do that anyway. Yeah. You know, once we it comes to our attention who's right. passed, we talk right. about it. And right. I figure if we should just make it part of the show. Um, and then maybe, you know, some good, some good news, maybe, because there's a lot of bad stuff that goes on everywhere. And I felt that we should dedicate a segment to something good, to something good, positive. Yes, Yes. I agree. And then we have headlines, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, just whatever is the biggest in topic of the week. Right. And then movies. You know, we, we can add movies in. Um, <clears throat> originally, I thought it would be funny. I, I put movies that will suck. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I think maybe movies in general would just be a good combination. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And then final is geek news. We can talk about electronics. We can talk about comic books. We can talk about literature. What's up and coming. Yeah. What's next after Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Because, God, there has to be something after Twitter, please. And with any luck at all, it'll be easier, but probably not. Uh, well, yeah, you know, because that's how we, we rule time. You know, you got BC, AD, and now it's going to be AT, or PT. AT and PT. Anti Twitter, post Twitter. Yeah, I know. I know. I You know, our lists are similarly. Uh, thought out apparently and and yeah we're both on the same page with uh, asking people to send in their uh, anything uh, originally when we talked about what we were going to call the segment <laughs> we, we spent went, hours we went that. through all of the obvious choices trying to single out anything that met our needs and wasn't already being used and of course the first thing we came up with was anything goes which is used by everybody yeah and you wouldn't believe how many but, but it will be our motto at the same time that while we're going to talk about what we think, any subject can be suggested. And if we have thoughts on the subject, we will uh, share them. If if we don't have thoughts on the subject, it isn't because it wasn't a good subject offering. It's just because we don't know anything about it. Right. Or whatever we do know about it isn't probably worth mentioning. So we're going to set up a specific email address. Okay, good just idea. Just for this. Good idea. And so it, when you hear this, as soon as you hear this, folks, write it down, send it in. We don't care what the topic is. Yeah, anything anything goes. Absolutely. And if, if it's something that grabs our attention and then we, number one, we have some knowledge of, or two... It, it interests us enough to motivate us to go and look up the and topic. find out something about it. Yeah. And, it. And if it is something we've already mentioned, that's okay, too. Go ahead, because that helps us to know, yeah, okay, they are interested in uh, fashions today or, you know, whatever. Right. We actually didn't mention fashions, but that was one I had talked about with you. I just didn't put it on the list because I forgot, frankly. Well, I was thinking that could fit into, like, geek news. Because yeah. it, it, yeah. I call it geek news because it's a specific to those people. Just because it's not about, you know, comic books or movies or something doesn't necessarily mean it's it's not a geek thing. Okay, okay. Not, I always thought geek was, what did I think geek was? Introverted and, and, and studious. 
Is that not what a geek is? Not anymore. Oh, okay. Well, see, there you go. See. We could even do a whole segment on what is a geek. <laughs> because I was going to say, a geek now is not, um, how do I explain this? It's not, if you call somebody a geek, you're not slandering them. Oh, okay. That's actually, okay. A, it's a good thing. It's a, it's a compliment. Oh, That cool. means that you're very knowledgeable on the subject cool. of whatever. I gotcha. Okay, well, see there, yeah, I learned something. You know, I've always said, <clears throat> when I stop learning things, that's when it's time to give up. So it's not time to give up yet. That's right. Because I just learned something new. <laughs> uh, best case example, Geek Squad. Yes, the Geek Squad. I rely on them heavily. And they're called geeks because they, they're... They're very knowledgeable. About, you know, computers. About electronics. So it's, it's, no, it's no longer... A bad thing. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you say nerd, that's nerd's a little different. That's yeah. still that still carries that negative connotation. Feathers, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I do see the difference too, actually. Yeah. And cool. um, okay. So, so that's it. And we're gonna you're gonna include when you edit, you're gonna include the email address to them. I mean, how are they gonna know? Because you said we're gonna give you an email address to send in your. Right. Okay, let's make something now. Um, let's make, no, don't make it up. Let's actually make something. <laughs> well, I can make it up, and then I can oh, make it after you, you know post-production. Huh? Yes. Oh, like magic. Uh, let's see. How about... What we think at... <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, do, let's do what we think at jayzomon.com. That's J-A-Y-Z-O-M-O-N.com. That's just for the people out there now listening on Stitcher or iTunes, and they're like, whoa, you know, how do you spell Jaselmon? Yeah, exactly. So what we think all together. Yes. All lowercase. Yes. At jaselmon.com. Right. Yes. So send them in, and like I said, whatever, because obviously I'll get them first. Mm -hmm. So I'll look through them, and then I'll send send you you know, and then we'll go back to me or whatever. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll figure work it. Out. All right. Because, like it. and at this point in the game, as we're creeping on the six months, you know, uh, of productions, we are constantly renovating. And I, I hope the listeners kind of realize that we're constantly, we, we do not settle on just where we're at. We're constantly trying to Hopefully. improve. Maybe this would be a good time for my thought of the day. Oh, you got a thought of the day? I have the thought of the day. Okay, let's hear it. This is a quote from Patti Lapone. Uh, for those of you who may not know, Patti Lapone is a renowned uh, Broadway uh, musical actress um, and more. I myself don't know an awful lot about her, or I would tell you what I do know. Right. But if anyone's interested, I'll find out more. In any case, I watched a thing on uh, television the other day where she was... Um, uh, working with uh, students uh, of the arts, and these were, uh, I don't know exactly how to say it, they, they weren't just ordinary students in the schools of the arts, right. they were uh, highly placed, highly, uh, what's the word? They had achieved a certain level in their studies, and so they were singled out to be part of this uh, workshop okay. with her. They were selected, essentially. Yeah, but based on their academic, merit yeah. and their academic skills and their artistic skills and everything else. And and then they, they performed with her, showed her 
um, their skills, whether they were musicians, singers, or what, and then she gave them feedback and encouraged them and, and offered them suggestions and pushed them to achieve even greater abilities than they even thought they had. So it was really a, a very entertaining show. Sorry, I can't tell you the show. I sort of came in in the middle of it. In any case, she said, and I quote, success teaches us nothing. We only learn from our mistakes. That is so true. And I really liked it. It really struck a chord with me because, as you say, it is so true. Uh, and that's not to say that uh, when in Burbank has been a mistake. I think not. But I think what we what we see is when in Burbank has lived its life, and we're going to move on now to what we hope is going to be not a mistake, but uh, a, a, another or uh, more successful venture with what we think. If it turns out it isn't, uh, we will learn from that mistake and then go on. If right. it's a success, we'll learn from that too. So we may not learn as much as, and, and certainly not as painfully, but anyhow, I thought that was a, a good thought of the day, as it were. I like that. Maybe that's something we need to start including in the new show, too. A thought of the day? Yes. That might be a good idea, unless I have trouble coming up with some, unless you can come up with some. Uh, my favorite one is Smoke Crack, Worship Satan, and Everything Will Be Alright. That always works. <laughs> uh, well, see, in my generation it was just plain sex drugs rock and roll right yeah basically the same point of view but um, tonight is our last when in burbank show yes and uh uh reading a couple of my dad's letters uh as part of the podcast that he wrote to my mother in 1934 when they were in their early to mid-20s Anyhow, so uh, I had lots of letters, as you know. I have a five-inch stack of letters. However, um, they're quite time-consuming, and some of them are not all that terribly interesting. And because our Winnebago Bank sessions are coming to a close, yes, uh, we agreed that tonight I would pick just a few of the better letters and uh, share those with everybody, and then that will be the end of the letter reading, at least for now and the end of the Wynn and Burbank session. Right. Uh, so, folks, and I haven't told Sadie this either, set back and relax because if we go over an hour, we have gotten the approval to ah. go over the hour. Oh, good. Oh, good. So this might this good. might be an extra long... It might be. I hope not. I Well, I hope it doesn't feel extra long. I'll put it that way. So... Okay, <clears throat> and again, just to reiterate, my dad uh, and my mother were dating. My mother was in the process of divorce, which in those days took a year to complete. Right. And um, during the time they were dating, mother lived in Burbank with her parents, and she worked at the Burbank City Hall, and uh, where her father also worked. Uh, grandfather was a um, road inspector for the city of Burbank, and mother did some kind of bookkeeping or other. And my father, being a third-generation construction painter, uh, along with his father, uh, did whatever odd jobs they could uh, manage to find. This era, 1934, it's not the era, the year, is uh, right between the start of the Depression and the start of World War II. So um, 
times were not the easiest, uh, but uh, this is back in the day when people had to write to each other if they weren't together. They're, they did have telephones, most certainly, but not everybody had them in their homes, and they were an expensive luxury that not everyone could afford. So as a result, uh, letter writing was quite common. Uh, more than emailing, letters can be longer and uh, sometimes more informative. Anyhow, so that's sort of the background on the few letters that I'm going to read tonight. All right. Um, oh, and also, just by way of another little piece of background, um, the area where they were living, like I said, mother lived in Burbank. Dad primarily lived in Miraloma, which is near Riverside. It's 54.7 miles as the crow flies. Okay. The cars and roads that they had at, those, at that time would have made that about a two-hour drive, probably. Burbank to Pasadena was 11.7 miles. And again, this is this is more or less as the crow flies because the they, they didn't have freeways. They they didn't have major arteries. They just had roads that went here and there. And right. You had to kind of go where the roads went to get where you were going. In fact, there used to be a joke. My parents used to, to joke all the time. Somebody would ask, how do you get to so-and-so? And, and the old joke was, well, you can't get there from here. You have to go somewhere else and start out. And, uh, and that was kind of the way it, the way it was then. Uh, Burbank to Riverside, again, the Miraloma area, 61.7 miles. Burbank to Huntington Beach, uh, 50.2 miles. And what we now know as the, oh God, what do they call it now? The 210 was, when I was a kid, called the Arroyo Seco Parkway. Uh, or the Pasadena Freeway. It was built 1939 and 40. was not around in 1934 when my parents lived there. It was also the first freeway in the L.A. Basin. Really? First freeway, period, that I know of anywhere. I don't know if they had uh, turnpikes back east, but in any case, that was the first first freeway. So that's just a little background to give you an idea of the distances and, and areas that may be mentioned in some of these letters where they've traveled. The first letter I'm going to read is dated March 6th, uh, postmarked Mar March 6th, 1934, and it's actually postmarked in Pasadena, hmm. you noticed. Dearest, this, all these letters are written by my dad to my mother. I don't have any of her letters. Replies. Yeah, yeah gotcha. I've the same letters. <laughs> Dearest, well, you get your wish. I got laid off tonight, and boy, am I, I'm sorry, I'm catching a cold. I'm not trying to be funny, but I did tell you that I would. I believe it came as a result of driving home with wet hair. Now, I have to tell you why he was driving home with wet hair. Uh, he got baptized uh, that night. Okay. okay. Mother was uh, responsible for getting my dad involved in the Christian church. And he accepted Christ as his savior and was baptized, that on his own. But I mean, mom kind of got him into the church and got him interested, you know, one way, you know, they say that's, that's it's the best it. way to a man's heart through his stomach, the best right. way to a woman's heart through her church, okay? <laughs> in, in her case, anyhow. 
That's so. interesting because of what he ended up becoming. Yes, which was a minister. He actually became a minister. Uh, many how long after that? Let me think. I was five, six years old, so that was 46, 45, 46, that he actually became a minister. So he was, he was very uh, sincere. It wasn't just to get to her. Right. My head has been spinning like a top all day, but I don't mind. It's worth almost anything, I guess. It seems strange to me that so few people will take the trouble to go through that when it is so easy, that being baptism. I didn't feel that way, though, before I did it. And if everybody is as hard to convince as I was, it is easy to see why few people do join a church or have much to do with it. So it doesn't seem so strange after all. I suppose you've read about those race drivers that got killed in Imperial. It sure is, it was a terrible thing. I can't believe yet that Ernie Triplett is dead. I guess there are a lot of people who are of the same opinion. Now I'm gonna step out of the letter for a second and uh, I've already told you this. Yes, but we got our some information on that. I, I looked online and found information about Ernie, Ernie excuse me, Ernie Triplett. Um, actually, the complete name was Erna I Triplett. Uh, yeah, that's E-R-N-A, like Nancy. Um, he was born in 1906, uh, somewhere in the U.S. They didn't know where. Uh, he was killed March 5th, 1934, in El Centro. Uh, he was, uh, oh, he it, he was participating in the American Automobile Association Pacific Coast Big Car Championship in the feature event was the AAA Pacific Coast Big Car Championship race. Um, let's see, at the Imperial Raceway, which is a 1.125 mile dirt oval. He, let's see, he was driving a single-seater single race car. And uh, let's see, he, just background notes on him. He, Competed in the Indy 500 five years from 29 to 33. He was DNF in four of those years because of me mechanical failures. I don't know what DNF means, by the way. Um, in 31, he started the, in the fifth and, fi and finished the race in seventh place. This is at the Indy 500. By 1934, he had semi-retired from the sport and was racing only occasionally. The feature event of the afternoon of March 4, 1934, at the Imperial Fairgrounds, a, oh, I'm sorry, they say it's a 15-mile, oh, it's a 15-mile race for big cars, that was their term for then, led to a protracted accident that took three lives. The track was so dusty that the vision of the drivers was severely impaired. Jimmy Wilkinson's car, slowed by engine problems, had stopped on the track in the north turn of the dirt track. And Swede Smith, Swede is a nickname, George Swede Smith, drove into the turn and saw the disabled car too late to avoid a, a collision. 
Smith's car rolled over after the impact, causing fatal injuries to Smith. Several people from the infield had run onto the track to assist, just as the cars of Ernie Triplett and Al Gordon entered the scene at speed. Triplett's car struck and killed Hap Halfley, a mechanic from Hollywood, and crashed heavily, causing injuries to Triplett that would prove fatal within a few hours. Al Gordon's car had been grazed by Triplett's car during the accident, causing it to also crash. Gordon, the 1933 Pacific Coast champion and Wilkinson, received minor injuries. The newspaper reports of the accident focused mostly on the loss of Ernie Triplett, who was the champion in 1931 and 32 and very well known. In spite of his fame, Triplett's name was misspelled in the headlines of the Fresno Bee in various ways. But Hap Halfley, who was not as well known, his surname was spelled correctly. Really? <laughs> Go figure. Um, oh, no, I take it back. I take it back. I take it back. Let me see. I'm not reading this correctly. His they, Triplett's name was misspelled, and Hap, Halfley, who was not as well known, his name was also misspelled in many various ways, including Happerly, Hasley, Hafferly, and others. Somehow the newspapers managed to smell, spell Smith's name correctly. Oh, my goodness. Triplett was buried at Forest Lawn in Glendale, California. His funeral was held over, I'm sorry, his funeral was held on March 7, 1934. During the ceremony, there was an altercation which occurred when some of the drivers present, present forcibly removed two newspaper photographers. In the, in the tussle were involved George Connor, Babe Stapp, Louis Tomei, and Al Ranke, who were slated to be charged in the assault. Al Ranke died in a racing mishap before the trial. And uh, I'm not sure if I have the letter. I'm not sure if Dad's letter regarding that particular incident is in the ones I plan to read tonight or not. Uh, but he he made the comment that he thought that all of the kidnapping stuff they, they turned it into a kidnapping. The the race drivers kidnapped these uh, photographers and so on. Uh, they you know how the press can right. can do. And uh, he said, as far as he was concerned, it was a lot of hooey. <laughs> I believe that was his word. So anyhow, that's who Ernie Triplett was. Very well known. It would be like, uh, oh God, I can't think of any race drivers right now. But any of the ones... Pretty much like um, when Dale Earnhardt passed away. Yeah, or any, any, any well-known sports figure in the world of racing that you can think of right now. He was that famous. He was known worldwide. Okay. Um... Kitty and Harold, Kitty is my, was my dad's sister, and Harold was her husband, are up tonight, meaning not up <laughs> out of bed, meaning up there to visit where he was. Gotcha. They went to the beach yesterday. They said it was so cold, they didn't stay long. Dad and Bert, that's my grandfather and uncle Bert, and I, you know, I really don't know who Uncle Bert was. 
Uncle Bert might have been my grandfather's brother. Okay. Okay. I'm really not sure. I've heard of Uncle Bert all my life, but you know how that is. Anyhow, Dad and Uncle Bert just left to play cards. That popular pastime during the Depression. It was basically cheap. You play for matches and and uh, toothpicks. Right. Get away. Get your mind off things. Exactly. I would have gone, but I'm afraid of my cold. I just as soon have most anything as a cold. Don't laugh, but I'm really struggling through this. I can't think of anything to say. <laughs> I have to go downtown tomorrow to collect my do re mi. That's money. The do. Do re mi. And, and it's funny, if you Google do re mi, uh-huh. it'll actually come up D-O-U-G-H, re mi. Really? Yeah, but he abbreviates it, as you can see here, D-O dash re dash me. That's just what we called money in those days, or they called money, and even when I was a kid, do re mi. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, and I'm going to have my operator's license renewed. Then I'm going to take my operator's car license, oh, driver, okay. driver's license. Then I'm going to take my suit to the cleaners and get my two white sweaters. He played tennis a lot. Oh, okay. In fact, that's where Mom first saw him was on the tennis court. She thought he cut quite a dashing figure in his tennis whites. He had uh, what they called knickers. Pants that only went to just below the knees and uh-huh. they kind of bloused out like that. And then he wore white sweaters and whatnot. She said he was quite handsome. He was actually a very handsome man. Um, so I get my two white sweaters. I'm going to buy a couple of ties. And aside from that, I guess I haven't much to do. I believe I'll go to the ranch Wednesday. That's the mushroom ranch that we've talked about right. before. Right, we're still following. Yeah, we're hoping. And get started out there. If I get up real early Wednesday, I'll get four days' work. Now that I think of it, if Dad doesn't send for his license plates tomorrow, I won't be able to go because I'll have to take him to work in my car. So the only thing to do is send for the license plates myself. There goes seven bucks. <laughs> now, you know, what? to me, what's interesting about that is not that it was $7 for a license plates. I mean, that's one thing. Right. But he's talking about getting up the next day. He's going to have to drive his father to work because he won't have a license plate. So dad's going to send for them in the mail and get them back in time for him to have them the next day. Wow. Yeah. 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 If dad doesn't send for his license plates tomorrow... I won't be able to go because I'll have to take him to work in my car. So the only thing to do is send for the license plates myself. There goes seven bucks. So at least within two days, he expected to be able to mail the money and get the plates back. Not like today's uh, uh, DMV processes. No, especially not in the wonderful state of California. Yeah, don't get, don't get me there. Don't get me there. <laughs> uh, I guess that is the only solution. I guess that's what I'll do. I'll leave about noon Saturday. That will give me time to get home and get cleaned up. I'm going to bed and study my Sunday school lesson. I'm tired of being dumb. Love, bud. Not terribly romantic, but somewhat informative. Very informative. Okay, so that was that one. 
And then we have, I believe the postmark on this is April 14, from Mira Loma, 1934. Benny Fetty, before you start, yeah. I, I think it's it's just kind of cute because Zoe has been in so many of our episodes yeah. of Winifred. Yeah. So, our final conclusion, even though she's asleep, and, I, and the funny thing is, is I tried my damnedest to get her to sleep before you got here, and as soon as you started reading... She went to sleep? She went right to sleep. I know the feeling, sweetheart. <laughs> Okie dokie. Here we go. So, April 14th. April 14th, from Mira Loma. Dear Mary, that was Mother's name, I'm going to use some of Ethel's paper, I don't know who the hell Ethel is, because I'm out. It is only 6 o'clock, so I'm going to start this while I'm waiting for dinner. We didn't get a great deal done today, partly because the ground is so awfully hard where we are working now, and partly because I didn't feel very good. I didn't get a letter from you today, and I thought I would, but I'll get one tomorrow. I have to go to Los Angeles Saturday and yet and get another battery for the car. This one doesn't seem to hold up very good. If they say anything, I'll just tell them that I want the battery that was in the car when we bought it. I don't want this one. They can't complain about that. And I, I have no background on this, so I really don't know what the hell he's talking about. I, I guess you were right when you said you thought it was a good thing we didn't pay cash for the car. Ethel has had a spell of asthma today, so she didn't put the flowers out. But it's all right. I like to leave things in a pot a few days. I don't think it is a very good policy to change them twice before they have a chance to perk up. He brought her some plants of some sort. Okay. Pots. I don't know what kind. I think one of the letters mentioned <clears throat> strawberry plants and something else. Um, I feel better now. You can imagine Oh, I feel better now. You can imagine I've had three square meals today. That's one reason he wasn't feeling well. He hadn't eaten yet. And then he ate. He didn't say that, but he stopped and ate in between the flowers having a chance to perk up and him continuing his letter. Okay, gotcha. And he actually had three square meals that day. Which is a rare... Which rare. was not common. Ed Wynn is on the radio, he means. So don't be surprised if I don't say anything sensible. Um, if you don't know who Ed Wynn is, Google, Google it. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I was just going to try to explain it. Thank yeah, you. no. The orchestra just played over somebody else's shoulder. It sure is a pretty tune. Uh, I went to YouTube and listened to it. Frankly, I couldn't appreciate the tune the way he did, but it's kind of a cute song. It's talking about this guy's dancing with his girlfriend, and then over her shoulder, he sees somebody else. Ah, okay. I think that's what it says. It's over somebody else's shoulder. Well, anyhow, it's like that. Go to YouTube and listen to it. It's cute. Um, several recordings of it, by the way. I guess I won't polish the car after all this week 
because I can't get it clean enough with gasoline. Okay. Say that one more time. Yeah. I guess I won't polish the car after all this week because I can't get it clean enough with gasoline. The grease comes off all right, but there is dirt in the paint that nothing but a regular cleaner will take off. Somehow he got grease in his car's paint job. Okay. I just thought of a nice place to go the next time we want to go for a ride. Dad was big on going for a ride. When I was a kid, uh-huh. we didn't have anything else to do. Did you just go for a ride? Let's, everybody hop in the car. We're going for a ride. Where are we going? I don't know. Just drive around. Just go. And it took me the longest time to convince Ernie that that was a cool thing to do. <laughs> what do you mean we're going to get in the car and go for a ride without having a, you know, a destination, a, destination, <laughs> a reason? You know, you just go because you'll run into somewhere you've never been before. Right. You know, you just will. Or Tijuana. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, but anyhow, it, you know, it, that was something to do that was cheaper than, well, and it was something to do. They didn't have, they had the radio. Right. That was it. Okay. I'd like to go to Hemet Lake and take that ride from the lake down to Palm Springs. You might be disappointed in it after all. Uh, after all the talking I have done about it. But it is sure the swellest piece of mountain road I ever was on. I wonder what we'll do next Sunday between church and evening service. Maybe we can go see somebody. But let's see somebody who won't sit around and read a magazine while we're there. I can't think of anything dear to say because nothing ever happens out here. So I'll say good night. I hope you feel better next week, dear love bud. So that's that letter. I kind of like the idea of him saying that that drive, I, I kind of like to, I don't think you can make that drive anymore. The roads around him at Palm Springs have changed so much over the years. Right. But he 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 just says that the the road between Palm Springs and and or Hemet and Palm Springs, the mountain road, is sure the swellest piece of mountain road I was ever on. I think that's so cool. I would like to have seen that. This next letter is uh, postmarked in Mira Loma, April 18, 1934. My dearest, the nightly radio blah has not started yet, so blah. blah that's what he said. <laughs> So I'll start writing. I may have to stop after a while, though. Well, my spirits are a little higher this evening than they were last night. I'm awfully tired tonight, and my head feels goofy, but I still feel better even so. I have two or three things to tell you about tonight that I don't think you are going to like very well, but we can talk them over on Sunday and you have all week to think about it. To begin with, I saw Aunt Nell, that's Uncle Bert's wife. Okay. Uh, I saw her light bill today. It was $3.80, and they only burn one light a little while in the evening. Now, presumably, that's for a month. <laughs> 
Can you imagine how much it would cost to cook with electricity out here? See, they were talking about getting or building a place to live together out in Miraloma. Okay. So that's why this information is coming to mom. Here's another. Bert said today he didn't think Mr. Allen owned that place up on the boulevard. Even so, there is a place down here on the same road that Mr. Allen tried to sell Bert. It has a two or three bedroom house on it and that's all. When he says that's all, he means that's all. Two or three bedrooms. He wanted $2,500 for it, $500 down. Now stop and figure what somebody would want for that other place. Now this place next door, Bert is sure he can get it for $1,500 at the most. And we're talking houses here. Right. Okay? He believes that Mr. Allen would let us take the place without a down payment and pay about 10 or $12 a month. Now listen, before you blow up, <laughs> did he know my mother or what? Bert showed me today how we could fix this place up for about $100 or maybe a little more. <laughs> Read a lot more. <laughs> anyway, I think how swell this place would look if we spent $1,500 on it. That's a total of $3,000. I don't know how he got from $100 to $15, but that's a hell of a jump. That's a total of about $3,000. The other place would cost $3,000 to start with, and anything we spent would be above that. Better think that over, honey. It is logic. Now, as for the extra buildings, or as far as the extra buildings are concerned, I can tear them down and we can use a lot of the lumber for some of the building on the house. Apparently there were some outbuildings or something on the property. Bert said today that I didn't have to worry about doing my building because he would help me and he was sure we wouldn't have any trouble. He also showed me how we could fix up the inside of the house so it would be just as clean and nice inside as any other. I can just hear what mother was thinking when she read that. Another thing, he would be right here to help me any time if I needed him. He said he would help me do all the painting and everything, so it would be all fixed up for you. I don't know how you are going to read all of this, but it really looks like the most sensible way to do. Bert said today, dear, <clears throat> that he has talked to a half dozen people out here who have had electrical stoves, electric stoves, and they all got rid of them because electricity is so high out here. Think of it, sweetheart, and see if you don't think we could be satisfied with this place. I'd work awfully hard to make you happy, sweetheart, and even if it wouldn't be a palace, who wants a palace anyway? I believe the difference in price makes this place as attractive as the other one. 
anyway bert is going to see mr allen the first time he comes out and find out the lowest price he will take for the place next door he thinks he can get it a little cheaper for me than i can for myself i got all excited today when i got to thinking about fixing the place up there isn't anything on this place except a row of pepper trees and they make good firewood <laughs> which was the nicest thing you could say about pepper trees <laughs> they make good firewood <laughs> um, aside from those crazy rabbit pens we would start fixing the place up just as we could the just as fast as we could the other one I will take those rabbit pens apart and give them to your dad. Maybe he can use them. Anyway, I just got so excited I could hardly work today. I could just picture how nice this place would look with you out in the yard watering flowers. Oh, brother. You, you think it over and we'll talk about it Sunday. If Bert is anywhere near right about the price of the house, I can see my way clearer a lot easier than I could with the other place. I hope I get a letter tomorrow. It is so lonesome out here. I'll be so glad when you are out here with me. But I don't want to bring you out here to live in some place you don't like. As far as Aunt Nell and Ethel are concerned, you don't need to worry because they don't like to visit neighbors because they don't like to have their neighbors snoop around their place. They never leave their own lot. Well, the radio has quieted down a little, so I can write. Isn't that silly? I've already written three full pages. I don't suppose you can read half of it, though. I hope you aren't terribly disappointed after reading this letter, honey. It is, after all, just an idea. If you don't like it, just tell me. Mary, dear, I always want to do everything just to please you. Sadie literally just bit her tongue. <laughs> he was always that way about her. Nobody ever loved anybody more, I don't think. And if the thought of living in this house displeases you too much, we'll find another. But I'm afraid the place we looked at will be priced too high. I really can't see 2500 or 3000 in a house and a lot out here. I can do a lot better, buy a lot better place right in the city for that price. Bert will be up, but it will be up to you in the end. I've had my way long enough. I wish it would get warm at the beach so we could go fishing. We had so much fun when we went last year. Are you going to ask the preacher to the party? Or don't they usually do that? Well, the hole is growing. That's the hole for mushroom farm. <laughs> but awfully slow. Boy, I mean girl, it sure is hard <laughs> stuff. He's talking about the dirt he's trying to dig with just a shovel and a pick. Well here, well, here I had to start another page to close on, and I have to think of something to say to fill it up. Is that where I got that from? 
I'm that way today. Really? Oh yeah. Oh, I can't. Bothers me to leave a blank page and just sign off. It's like, what? You couldn't think of anything else to say? <laughs> well, believe it or not, I found a bottle with some ink in it. The ink is actually changed in this letter. The other one had just enough in it to write about one word each time I put the pen in the bottle. Now I can write a whole sentence. Now we're literally talking the old-fashioned pen nibs with ink, okay? No, wow. No ball points. Yeah, that, that kind of brought it home for me. Yeah. Um, I just asked Ethel if she would like to have a wisteria, and she said she was crazy to have one or two. So can't we get her a couple of those at the firehouse? No, what's that? Wisteria, wisteria is a plant. Uh, it blooms like in the spring at the same time lilacs do, and it, it uh, blooms with a beautiful, um, long sort of uh, clump of, of bluish, purplish flowers. Very fragrant. Uh, our neighbor down the street from us has one, actually. Oh, and okay. It's really, really pretty. They, uh, in places where they grow well, like any place other than the desert, uh-huh. uh, they tend to plant them like over an arbor, you know, a little arch in a garden and stuff so that the blooms hang down and, and you know, it's a real pretty plant. Very pretty plant. And apparently the firehouse, Burbank Firehouse, had some. They aren't going to use them down there anyway, are they? Did they ever find anybody to use those berry plants? This this letter must, even though the postmark date is, is later than the one I just read, this must have actually preceded the last letter because it's talking about those plants. Right. So, anyway. Um, did they ever find anybody to use those berry plants? They, it sure, let's see, that sure was funny, or don't you think? <laughs> How are your cat's cats? I've been thinking over, thinking it over, Angel. You can have your cat if you want. I don't care. I guess you ought to have something alive around to keep you company besides a husband. I'll bet a quarter that you'd rather... Wait a minute. I'm going to have to see what he says here. He's, he's scribbling. First he wrote, I bet a quartet. And then he means, I. then he says, I mean a quarter that you rather will have to pay extra postage on this letter. I just thought of something. Why not address your letters? I don't know what that sentence is about. It's a poorly worded sentence. Um, why not address your letters to the office meaning the Burbank City Hall offices where she worked, you wouldn't have to wait until you get home to read them. Silly, we never thought of it before. I'm not going to start another page, love, but... Uh, and that and that's actually what he did. This, this letter was addressed to her in the city manager's office, City Hall, Burbank, California. And they didn't seem to mind her receiving letters um, there, personal business or whatever. That was okay. And the interesting thing, folks, is I'm looking at this, and right away I'm like, where's the zip code? 
Oh, yeah. No, there were no zip codes. No, no, no. That was back in the day. No zip codes. And you'll notice it's Burbank, California. Yeah, not abbreviated. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, the abbreviation for California uh, was C A L I F, period. That was it. So if you if you didn't write California, you could write C A L I F. Interesting. Okay, this letter is also from Mary Loma, dated April, I believe, 19. So five days later. Roughly. If I'm, if that's kind of blurred, it's hard to read, but if I've read this right. Dearest, well, according to the letter I got from you this morning, the one I wrote last night isn't going to sit very well with you. <laughs> that's the one we just read. Right. <laughs> But I can't help it now. It is already in the mail. I'm sorry to hear that you would be so disappointed if we didn't get that place, the more expensive one. Why do you let yourself get that way, sweetheart? It really isn't good for a person to take small disappointments so seriously. But don't feel that what I said last night is final. It was merely a suggestion. I didn't read about... Wilfred's job. Tell him I'm awfully sad to hear about it. That Wilfred was mother's sister's husband. He was a postal carrier for all the years I ever knew about. I don't know what this thing about his job is about. Sorry. Ooh. I am writing this at noon lunch. Oh, pardon me. I am writing this at noon, comma. Lunch is quite ready. So, I'm doing this to pass the time away. I'll get your letter out tonight and read it over. Maybe there is something I forgot to answer. Nothing ever happens out here, so if I ever write anything at all, it is something I made up in my own head. <laughs> we are going to have baked beans and spuds for lunch, I hope. You said in your letter, he was looking forward to that, folks, we had to have that place. I wish you wouldn't be like that, honey. Not that I care, but I think you'll learn better someday. So you didn't believe what I said about little women. Well, it's too bad, honey. I told you so. And no idea what that reference is. He's actually capitalized Little Women, so it's got to be the the story and or the the first movie. No, well, the, there's a book, Little Women. Right. You know, and they made how many? Four, I think. Most recent one with Winona Ryder. Uh huh. Um, I'm not sure, but I I I don't know whether they're talk. He's talking about the first movie or not. Say, I told you last night about the people who had electric stoves out here. Well, Bert said today that those people's light bills used to be upwards of $10 a month. Now, we know how much a single light bulb burned a little while at dinner cost his Aunt well, Nell. That was $3.80. Right. Okay. Add an electric stove, and now you're up to 10 bucks a month. Oh. The funny thing is, the house we now live in used to be my parents' house while they were still living, right? Mm -hmm. And it's an all-electric house. And I remember when Mother moved in there, she thought she'd finally made it. 
because she loved all things electric. <laughs> Honest to God, she just thought that was the bee's knees. And and the weird thing is, I I really can't tell you how I hate cooking on an electric stove. Really? Oh yeah, gas is just so much easier to cook on. You can control the heat and everything so much better. You know, with electricity, you got it's too cold or or the smoke alarm's going off. You know, I hate it. Anyway, well, I don't have to figure much to tell. I don't have to figure much to tell. You what I think about that the electric bill being ten dollars a month, and who in the world ever told you that Edison lights were cheap? This is an interesting passage in here. I know a whole lot different because I have used Edison lights on several different occasions. Anyway, these aren't Edison lights out here. It is. La Sierra L and P Company, Light Power Company. Okay, I'm like L P. Edison, my dear, is the highest priced electricity in Southern California. This is before the regulation that we have now. Right. You know, didn't have. They had competition for power services in those days: water services, power services, and telephone services, and so on. This is a good price. There is a, that is a good price on a stove, but I can't see ten dollars a month for cooking. I don't believe it is worth the difference. Judging from the way this letter is going, you won't enjoy it any more than you did yesterday's letter. Ah, uh, thanks for taking care of my shirt for me. I forgot all about it. That was a nice card we got from Jenny. I still think there was a terrible mistake made when they got married. Bert is sitting here sewing rags together for Ethel's rug. Um, used to make braided rugs, uh-huh. and what you did was you tore strips of material, old material that you couldn't possibly use for anything else anymore,、mm-hmm. and you tear strips about an inch or two wide. And then braid them together, and then you put them on the you know put them on the、uh, table or something while you were making it, lay them down flat and circle them round and around, coiling kind of like a rope. Uh huh. And you could make like round or oval or whatever, and then you would sew those those braids sort of together every every so often. And when you were all done, you made a rug. I actually made one out of denim one time just for the heck of it. Huh. It's kind of an interesting thing to do if you've never done it before. Anyway, he was sewing、uh, rags together for Ethel's rug. I told him he looked like an old maid. Wait till Ethel finds out what he is doing. There goes the first call for lunch. So I'll finish this tonight. That was it. He went to lunch. Well, dearest, dinner is all over with, and it is only seven o'clock. Just think, or don't you? And I'm afraid. <laughs> I haven't thought of anything to say since noon. I started to dig up a little patch of flowers for Ethel. I mean, cultivate it, and not, and it got dark, so I had to quit. Darn it, honey! I wish I could talk to you. I get sick of writing things on paper, and I don't get an answer until about two days later. Which, when you think about it. He would write to her. He'd send her a letter. She'd get it the next day. 
Right. And then she would write to him, and he'd get it the next day. And that don't that hardly. No. I mean, here in town, you can sometimes mail a letter like today, and it'll get there tomorrow, but not very if often. If you're lucky. Yeah. Anyway. Even at that, it takes two days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because it has to go down the hill and back up again. Hello, what's that about? You you do know that, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. That's stupid. <laughs> anyway. Um, I don't get an answer until about two days later, and by that time, I've forgotten what I said. Then, when I see you at the end of the week, I've forgotten what I wanted to say, so I never get any decent answers to anything, I say. I sure am abused. I really think, honey, that we would be better off if we bought this place next door. He's really pushing for that. I've had to dig a cess. I'd have to dig a cesspool, but I guess I could do that without too much trouble. Bert said today that he would help me, and it wouldn't take long. He is not in favor of digging one because it is so far to sand. But if I'm going to put in a bathtub, I'm going to have to have a toilet too, and I won't live out here with you without both. I could get along by myself for a while without bathrooms, but I won't bring you out here until the house is all fixed. I mean, I wouldn't want you to come out here to stay until all the building is done. I don't believe it will cost a lot to build a couple of rooms on this little house. We, this is the one that's just three bedrooms. Right. Right. Okay. We can't buy a place until we start making some money off the mushrooms anyway unless Bert and still hadn't got the freaking hole for the mushrooms dug but anyway <laughs> god love me he was only 25 what can I tell you unless Bert is right in his assumption that we can get this place next door for 10 or 12 dollars a month and I can get to work for the CWA now the CWA is you have a side note for that oh yeah of course the Civil Works Administration established by the New Deal, Roosevelt's New Deal, uh -huh. during the Great Depression, 1930-1940. That's the CWA. Okay. So, unless I can get to work for the CWA, then I could raise the money to pay on the place, and I could spend my spare time working on the place. Then, as soon as we made some money, I could start building on the house, and then we could come out here to live a lot quicker. I guess you are sick of all this chatter by this time, so I won't say any more about it until I see you. Maybe not then, if you don't like the idea. I'm glad there isn't anything planned to do over the weekend. Maybe you won't spend so much money. I mean, maybe I won't spend so much of your money as I usually do. I've written five pages of bunk, so I'll listen to the radio for a while and see if I can think of something to say. Well, I guess I can't. Aunt Nell is raising the devil with Bert and I about a bombardment we've been carrying on here. Raising the devil. Is uh, that what that was? Yeah, it? raising the devil. Is it the same thing as like raising hell kind of thing? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, raising Cain. Okay. Yelling her head off. Gotcha. Yeah. She said she was going to tell you never to feed me any beans. Oh, that's the bombardment that they were carrying on. 
I guess I'll write again tomorrow because I won't be over until Saturday night. I have to help a guy fix his car Saturday morning. P.S. If this letter addressed like this doesn't reach you, let me know. <laughs> That's another joke we used to have, you know, when you're going someplace to meet somebody. Uh-huh. Uh, we're, I'll be there. But listen, if you get there first, you make a mark, and if I get there first, I'll cross it out. It's the same thing. If you, if this letter doesn't reach you, you let me know. You're right. All my love, but that's a cute one. I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I wrote on there. This is a good letter. Um. Yeah. Real fast. Do we find out the conclusion of the mushrooms? At the end of today, I'll tell you the conclusion. Okay. <laughs> And, and funnily, funnily, strangely enough, my mom and dad actually, when they did get married, they used to do that. They used to buy properties, fix uh-huh. them up, and, and flip them. Like really? They do now. Yeah, they did that in the 30s. <laughs> this one doesn't, oh, it has a postmark, but I, I really have trouble reading it. I believe it's April 20-something, possibly 26 or so. Not sure. It's very, very, very faint. Very faint. Dear Mary. 25. 25? Okay, there you go. Thank you. You're welcome. Dear Mary, well, I'm glad for once that I'm in Mariloma instead of Burbank because when I tell you this, you are going to blow up. <laughs> Mr. Allen, for some undetermined reason, doesn't want to sell the place next door. He said he wanted to keep it and sell it to someone who wants to raise rabbits because he thinks he can get more out of it on account of the equipment. That is what I think. He didn't tell Bert the real reason, but I think that's it. But Bert, see, I said Bert. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I was right in the first place. But, see, I said, but we can get the lot south of Bert's house for $1,000, $15 down, and no payments or interest for one year. It's a house. They're going to pay $1,000 for it. They're going to pay 15 down. And they pay nothing, no interest, no payments for a year. See, the funny thing is, is when you said fifteen, I, I thought like fifteen thousand is when, no, no, when no. my brain registered. Fifteen dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Read that over again. He says <laughs> he wanted sixteen hundred for the place on the north. I think how this place could be made to look for six hundred dollars. I mean, this bare lot so oh no i'm sorry it's not a house it is just a lot okay okay yeah bert or we can get the lot south of bert's house for a thousand dollars fifteen dollars down no payments or interest for one year he wanted sixteen hundred for the place on the north the the house that they have that he thought he wanted to buy. I think how this place could be made to look if you know for the six hundred dollar difference. 
I mean this bare lot. I showed Bert your house plan, and he said that if you didn't want the rooms too darn large, too darn is underlined, the place could be built for about 300. <laughs> so now she's, now, God bless her, now she's looking at a vacant lot. They're going to build a house on it. Him and Bert, okay? For about 300 bucks, dollars. Now you don't have to use that floor plan if you don't want to. If we start from the bare lot, we can build as much of a house as we can pay for. The estimate that Bert made was figuring the living room at about 22 feet long and the rest of your floor plan accordingly. As I said, I'm glad I'm not in Burbank tonight. I think that I think that deal on the lot would be awfully hard to beat. As soon as we started making some dough on the mushrooms, I could start building a house, and before you knew it, the place would be all ready to move into. Yes, it would have a foundation and a real roof, or red roof, I can't really tell what he wrote there. I think real. I don't think that would be so much money to spend on a house. I believe for that price we could have just about everything we want except plaster. That costs too much. At least until we could afford it. That wallboard can be taken down and the walls plastered my anytime we want to. There is a better view of the river from this other lot anyway. The big house on the boulevard is not for sale. It is in court over some legal matter. So much for that. Think it over this week and we'll see what you think Friday night. I'm a little tired tonight and I haven't had any dinner yet, so I think I'll close. Love, bud. I mean, yes, we understand it's in the 1930s, but still, you know, the, honestly, I have to put like comma three zeros after it just to compute my head. I know, I know, but no, no. But what was the, the average wage, you know? Um, it was like a nickel a day or something like that. I don't have any of his that say how much money he's making. Uh, I, I have a lot of his letters that say how much he was spending on things. But I don't have too much that say what he was making. But uh, let's let's go forward a few years. My first job when I was 16, that would have been in 1956, uh-huh. I earned a dollar and 38 cents an hour. So, and that was considered fairly good wages, you know. Right. We didn't have any benefits, but it was part-time. So, so you back that up by 20 years to, well, by 15, oh, wait, yeah, well, 20 years would have been 30, yeah, right about 20, 25 years. 
see, he was a construction painter, so he he sort of worked by the piece. Right. And, and he was he was uh, union, uh, but they still did piece work. So you know, he got paid by the job. And and I don't I don't have a clue, and I don't have any idea what mother earned. I could actually I could find out I guess because when I found out uh, some information about her on the census papers that I found online, uh -huh. it may have said how much money she made annually, but I'm I'm not real sure. But I, I I'm thinking it was probably less than a thousand dollars a year. Wow, you know, I'm, I'm, but I'm kind of just guessing. We could Google it and find out average wage in 1934 for, you know, for, for a hardworking guy. Okay, this last, this is the last letter. Really, we're already there. Yeah, uh, May, probably the ninth, 1934. I think that says nine. Got a coffee stain on it, so it's fine. Yeah, this, that's definitely mine. Okay. So a day after my birth, well, not just a day. <laughs> a day before your birthday. <laughs> yeah, a day before my birthday. Well, 40, 43 years and a day after my birthday. Yeah. Dearest, I'm so sorry. I forgot to mail your letter yesterday to your office. I know you like to have me do that, so I will from now on. It is almost six o'clock, and we have just finished a big day's work. Aunt Nell and Ethel went to Pasadena today and just got home. This dizzy parrot is howling his head off. I wish he would pipe down so I could think. They must have had a parrot, mm. I'm guessing. Aunt, Aunt Nell, probably, or somebody. Before I forget, I was just thinking about the fishing situation. I don't want to go fishing on Sunday, but we don't necessarily have to go to the expense of renting a cabin. If you want especially to go sometime, we can go down Saturday morning and fish until you get tired, and then we can do something else for a few hours and go back about 8 o'clock in the evening for the night fishing for the night fishing go back in the evening for the night fishing stay till about 11 or 12 and be home in time to get a few hours sleep before Sunday school uh, dad used to like to surf fish and night surf fishing he enjoyed the most yeah um, <clears throat> let's see the object hang on the object in going back at night is that there is a fish there that bites best at night, and I want to get some because they are so good to eat. I think it is an elegant idea. <laughs> I see in tonight's paper that Insul went to jail in tears. I bet he does worse than cry before he gets out. Now, I have information on who Insul is, because I had to Google him, too. I found it interesting, because at first I didn't know he was talking about a person. And he says, he says uh, that I heard... 
I heard and or see in tonight's paper that Insel went to jail in tears. I bet he does worse than that before it's over. Well, Samuel Insull, I-N-S-U-L-L. Born in near London, Samuel Insull learned stenography and landed a job in 1881 as the personal secretary of Thomas Edison. Oh, really? Learning the electric light bus lighting business from the ground up, like literally. Insull helped establish the manufacturing arm of what would become the General Electric Company in Schenectady, New York. In 1892, Insel became the president of the Chicago Edison Company, one of several electric companies in the city. In the city, over the following decade, he mastered the unique economics of the electric utility business and emerged as a national leader of the industry. Remember, Dad doesn't think much of Edison electrical pricing. Right. Insel developed a business strategy that encouraged the use of electricity among all types of energy consumers. This approach made him an innovator in the use of technologies, financial instruments, rate structures, and promotional campaigns to create a mass market for electric light and power. Moreover, he mounted a successful effort to establish a monopoly of Central Station Service in Chicago for the renamed Commonwealth Edison Company. Keyword there, monopoly. Right. Insel also became a pioneer in building larger regional networks of power and related holding company devices to maintain control of his sprawling utility empire. During World War I, he was appointed chairman of the Illinois Council of Defense. In the 1920s, Insel was regarded as one of the nation's leading businessmen, a role which made him a perfect scapegoat for the Great Depression. Arrested and tried for securities fraud, he was acquitted in 1934, but remained a broken man until his death. Interesting. I thought so. Yeah. I finally finished reading <clears throat> that missionary book that Bill gave me. It's a pretty good book, all right. I'm run down already, so I'm going to listen to the news broadcast and then see if I can think... <laughs> if I can think so something more to say. <laughs> kind of got too many so's in there. I doubt if I will because nothing ever happens out here. <laughs> I don't even get letters from my best girl anymore. Not on Tuesday anyway. Gee, I used to think of so many things to talk about but I never can anymore. What's the matter with me, honey? I guess I'm just lonesome for you. I was with so much I was with so much over the weekend and now I'm so far, I guess he means I was with you so much over the weekend and now I'm so far away from you I don't like it at all. I read something else in the paper today uh, it was the report on the California bar examination there was a James Bruce Brown of Burbank among those who passed the bar that must be Mr. Brown that we know 
But what about that first name? I thought his first name was Sales or something. I don't know what that's about either. It's just really something between them they knew. I have a hunch that supper will be ready in about eight hours, so I'm going to wash my hands. I mean, like being prepared. Well, I was right. We had supper, some lamb chops. For the first time, we had meat out here since I started coming out here. Wow. This is May. Letters started in February. Right. First time he's had meat. February, March, April, May. Four months, minimum four months since he'd had meat. Amos and Andy just ended. It sure is getting good. <laughs> I wish... I was sure, and if they don't know what Amos and Andy is, Google it. Yeah. I wish I was sure of what I was going to talk about Sunday night. Apparently, he had to speak to a group at church on Sunday night. Um, but, 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 but are you going to talk about that communion service? Maybe the two of them were going to talk about something. Do you think it will be any good? I've thought about it so much, I'm nuts, and I can't think what to do. I'm not much in favor of doing anything at all about it. I'm not so hot on this public speaking stuff anyway. And then he became a preacher. That That's insane. really hilarious. And then look at he drew some kind of little picture there with little dots with his pen. I don't know what the heck that. Maybe he was just doodling while he was thinking or something. I don't know. Huh. Eh, funny. Um, if I could hear a couple of others talk first to sort of get an idea of what we should talk about, I can think if only of only one thing that left any impression on me, but I don't know whether it is what they want to hear or not. I guess that was supposed to be their their topic. What made an impression? Ah. I don't know. Well, this radio has driven all the desire to write out of me. So I'm going to say goodnight. Love, bud. And I thought that was a good one. Then, say goodnight. Yes. Love, bud. Now, you asked, would we ever know about the mushroom farm? Yes. That's my personal inquiry. I actually want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, none of these letters answer the question. Okay. About the mushroom farm. And did it ever get did they ever complete the project? They finished the hole. He did finish the hole. One of the letters does talk about he either finished or was real close to finishing the hole. But there was so much more to the mushroom farm than just a hole. Right, right. You know, they had to build over the top of it and whatnot. Um, and uh, I do not recall any conversation in my childhood about mushroom farm. Okay, so you're not an heiress to like a mushroom farm? No, culture. unfortunately oh, okay. I'm not. I oh. wish I were, but no. Um, and why in the world they picked Miraloma, which is next door to Hell's Half Acre as far as temperature is concerned. <laughs> you know, Riverside's one of the hottest areas in the basin, yes. in the L.A. basin. 
I mean, it's rivaled only by Death Valley, I think. Plus, it's on top of that, it's humid. So why they thought they could dig a hole in the dirt in, in, in Miraloma and make a mushroom farm out of it and make it succeed, I have absolutely no idea how much they knew about the project and what it entailed. Apparently not as much as they might have needed to know. But I do remember as a kid uh, hearing stories about other enterprises that dad engaged in, not not the least of which was I said they used to flip houses a lot, right. buy them and fix them up and sell and either rent them or they would sometimes they didn't buy them, they just rent them and then fix them all up and then get money off for their rent and stuff for, you know, for doing that. But most of the time they would buy the house, fix it up and sell it for a, a profit. That's how they made money. And then dad, uh, started working at Lockheed and while he was working at Lockheed he had like regular income then and that was a good job that was during the war and he also started uh, welding things and they, they he wanted they wanted to go into this welding business where he would weld wrought iron things right. gates and barbecues and fences and whatnot and that fell through and I don't know at what point it fell through, uh, but financially it, it strapped them to the point they had to leave the state. Oh, really? And that's why we went to Washington State when I was a kid. Okay. And I didn't know that until much, much later. They just had to get out of town because they owed everybody everything. Okay. And so they left. My my mom came, my brother and I came, and that was it. They left her family, her Mom, her dad, her sister, her sister's brother, I mean her sister's husband, her For sister's children. Uh, we were, I was five when we left. I was 16 when we came back. So what is that? 11 years. Yeah. And uh, from, from Southern California, we went directly to the farm in southern southwestern Washington state a little farming community called Sarah and lived in this great old drafty wooden two or three level I mean story right, right. farmhouse and you could walk out and overlook the Columbia River from the yard the the land from just beyond the road which dead ended at our property just beyond that road the land sloped down to the Columbia River and uh, we lived there for a few years and then dad went into the ministry and then from there we went to uh, Woodland where he had his first church Woodland, Washington and then to Chelan, Washington. You've maybe heard of Lake Chelan mm-hmm. in the center part of the state. Um, and then from there to Spokane, Washington. We lived the longest time in Spokane. We were there seven years. And that's where I did most of my quote growing up, unquote. Mm. And, you know, I was crushed when we had to come back to California because I had all my friends and my loved loves of my life and all that that I had to leave but 
Um, at that point, that would have been <clears throat> 50, mid-50s, 55, 56, and uh, Dad was running into a lot of opposition from the hierarchy of the church because he did not have a, a, a formal education in anything. <clears throat> I remember when he got his GED. Oh, really? So that he could, hopefully, he wanted to go to college and take some courses, but he needed to go, he wanted to go down to um, Texas Christian University near Fort Worth. And so that's why we were going to leave and he was going to do that. And then that sort of just never really happened. It was far more expensive than he ever anticipated. And he kind of lost interest in that. Over and so, time. Yeah, he retired from the ministry, so to speak, and uh, went back to uh, painting and catch-as-catch-can as far as work was concerned. Uh, and then, of course, shortly after that, I turned 18, got married, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so... By the book. Red yeah. Hills, Green Vines, Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it's in the book, actually. <laughs> and Dad married me. And my first husband performed the ceremony, and uh, that was that was cool. That was a neat thing. And he would do some lay preaching from time to time. You know, once anybody in you know everybody where we lived in Arcadia, uh-huh. everybody knew he was had been a preacher. You know, so naturally he was called upon for all sorts of things, um, and and he enjoyed you know doing a lot of that. Whether it got paid for it or not, I don't know. I wasn't privy to that information. I didn't even know it was my business. Right. And so, but anyway, no, the mushroom farm, I don't think ever panned out. Mom and Dad did. They eloped to Yuma in 1936 and were married. Sometime uh, around the same time these letters were written, actually one of them in, in the, the ones that I did not read actually deals very... I think the word is surreptitiously with the fact that mother had to have an abortion. Mm. And it was it was odd because a few years, just a very few years before she passed, I happened I don't remember now what was being said. We were under what circumstances we were discussing abortion, but I made the comment that that as far as I was concerned that was a woman's choice and and you know that if if a woman felt she needed to do that, that you know, I I would certainly support her decision. Right. And she said, you know, I'm really glad to hear you say that because you know. And then she dropped the bomb. And then she dropped the bomb. You know. Well, now I'm at this point. Uh, she's nearing 80, and I'm. Uh, what, let's see. How old was she when I was born? I was born in 40. She was 80 when she died in 90. So, 50, she was 30 when I was born. Why do I care? I forget why I'm figuring out how old all this was. Oh, so it would have been about 35 years since she'd had the abortion. Right. And I was in, say, 85, we'll say. I was 45 years old. Right. right, right. I was about forty-five, approaching fifty, before I find out my mother had to have an abortion before I was ever born. You know, which is kind of weird. And then another thing I really 
I felt good about that one, but then when my uh, I said something really wrong one time in front of my dad, my dad understood why I made the comment and everything, but I know it, I know it hurt him. Uh, and it was just one of those things you say and you wish you could take back and you never could. Right. I had said at one point that I, I don't know why, I don't, again, I don't remember what was going on, why it was even a topic of conversation that I blurted out that I could never respect anybody that just had a GED. I don't know why. I don't even know why I said that because it wasn't really true. Right. You know, but I did say that. And of course he had 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 worked very hard to get his GED and was very proud that he had. And he just kind of didn't say anything at all. And I, later when I found out that he had his GED, I felt really, really bad about it. But like I said, it was one of those things that, you know, open mouth and shit comes out and what are you going to do? Yeah. You can't, you can't take it back. It's done. But he understood I was young and stupid, and, you know, as he was fond of telling me from time to time. <laughs> so, you know, those are just things that, that fortunately parents find a way to overlook in their children and just think, you know, you stupid kid, you don't know any better, you know. So, but anyway, um, they did elope, uh, and my brother was born in 1938, and I in 1940, no. No, I take that back. My brother was five years old. See, my brother's always claimed that he was illegitimate. He, I was born in 40. He was five years older than I. That would have made him 40 35. and 35. But yeah. they got married in 36. Ah. But they may not have. They may have gotten married in 34. And I may be confused about when they got married. I've got their marriage certificate at home. And I've got that letter from Chubby, what's his face, too? Johnson. I'll have to bring that for some other time. Okay. Uh, maybe when we're talking about movies, I can work it in there. Anyway, um, I, I don't remember the dates all that well. I could look it up, but nobody really cares anyway, so I won't bother. Uh, but anyhow, they did get married. They eloped to Yuma and got married because that was the cheapest way to get married in those days. And uh, lived... An incredibly happy life despite a lot of setbacks, um, some of which are in the book, Right. <laughs> some are not. Uh, actually, I can't remember, do I say anything in the book about Dad and on the farm when he nearly cut his leg off? No, that's, that's a, a, small, a short, short story, story of his yeah. writing, yeah, yeah, well he did, um, and that really set them back a lot. Um, we used to, when I was a kid on the farm, we used to pick uh, raspberries and strawberries and pick up filberts. You don't pick filberts, you pick them up. Right. They're, they're hazelnuts is what they are, and they drop to the ground, and that's how you know they're ready. And you sit down on the ground and pick them all up where you are, and then you scooch over and pick them up where you are. And start enjoying them. Yeah, and we, no, we didn't, we picked them up, we did that for money. Ah. That was how we earned money. Uh, we ate off the farm. The, the farm itself had acres and acres of fruit trees of all types, apples and pears and peaches. And, and we even had a quince tree. Nobody eats quince. You make jelly out of them. But right. mother thought it was cool. Um, we had geese and chickens and a cow and a horse and calves and pigs and down over the hill at the behind the farmhouse was a little lake and and wild things used to fly in there and ducks and geese and whatnot 
and uh, you know. No, this is in Washington. Yeah, and Dad used to, uh, you know, midnight food supply, go out and snag a few birds every now and then, and he sort of got around it. I don't think anybody paid any, you know, hunting people that didn't come around. Right. Had they, you know, he was one of the preachers at that point in the church. He was learning to be a preacher at that church, and, and so nobody would have bothered him. And he figured, of course, son of a bitch is starving to death trying to feed his family. Let him get a bird or two, you know. Uh, but we lived off of off of the farm. What what didn't already grow there, mother grew and, and cultivated. And uh, But we you still have to have money. Right. You know. Uh, we had to rent a food locker for one thing because we didn't have any means of refrigerating and freezing uh, the pigs that dad would slaughter and, and cut up and, and, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, when whenever it was time for those kinds of things to be done, he would, he'd slaughter the animal uh-huh. and then take it into the food locker and the food locker guy would actually cut it into, you know, roasts and steaks and whatnot, oh, or chops okay. or whatever, wrap it all up and stick it in the food locker, and then you paid a monthly rental on the food locker, the frozen <coughs> food locker. Excuse me. And then when you wanted meat, you'd just go over to the food locker and open it up and get it out. You didn't have to buy it. You already owned it. Right. You just paid monthly rent on it, and I have no idea how much it cost. But you had to have some money for stuff like that, the rent on the food locker, Gasoline for the car, gasoline for the tractor. Well, actually, he borrowed a tractor, but he had to have money for the gasoline to run it, even though he was borrowing. Yeah, right. stuff like that. So, in order to have money for things that we couldn't grow or produce ourselves, we had our own milk and everything, but other stuff, electricity for the house and things of that nature. Um, then we kids also worked along with mom and with dad when it was necessary picking and doing whatever we could do in order to supplement you know, income, right. yeah you know it was sort of an expanded farm style living arrangement honestly that sounds really fun it, I mean, it, I, I it understand was, it would be it a lot was. of hard work, but it sounded Well, fun. it was, as, as for kids, it was fun. See, that's the funny thing about being a kid, you know. It's like kids don't notice when it's real hot or real cold or the snow's real mm-hmm. deep. You know, they just have fun. Um, and I did. I enjoyed it. We, we went to school in a one-room schoolhouse. My brother and I both went to the same school. His, his class was a, a group of older kids mm-hmm. of varying ages and grades and then mine was the younger kids so it was, it was really a two-room schoolhouse and he used to hate the old guy that that taught the the older kids he used to, the guy had a ruler and used it freely and of course my brother was always the kind who got himself whacked with the ruler he just he never he never could take anybody's word for much of anything he always thought he knew more about anything than anybody else and so he he did not he didn't work well with others Mm -hmm. uh you know but uh, that was 
the community we live in is a really small community. Right. You know, I mean, spread out over a huge area of farms. You know, so that was that was Sarah. So anyway, uh, that sort of ends the letters. Um, well, one of the questions I actually have prepared for you because I know you know. Okay. Is we've talked that S. A. D. Burbank is a a pin name. Yeah. And I thought it'd be befitting for it being the final issue that you told everybody where where S. City Burbank came, came from. from. Right. Oh well, that's easy. The S. <laughs> well, the S happened sort of after the fact. But let's start with the Sadie Burbank part okay. because that's what it was to start with. Right. Sadie was Grandma's name, my mother's mother, and uh, she took care of me when uh, we still lived in California over on Peyton Avenue. I think some of the letters may be addressed to uh, Peyton Avenue. And uh, mom and dad were both working. Mother was still working for the city of Burbank. Dad was working at that time for Lockheed. Uh, it was during the early years of the war. Mm -hmm. I was born in 40, okay? And uh, they did not have things like daycare. Right. They had kindergarten and I, did go to kindergarten while we lived there, but before that, uh, during the daytime hours, Grandma took care of me, and uh, she was very, I was very, very close to her, very fond of her. Um, we did a lot together. I remember um, things like she had long, long hair, and in the afternoons, con her into taking her hair down and she had a low slung rocking chair and she'd sit in the rocker and I'd drape her hair over the back of the rocker and then brush it mm -hmm. by the hours and she'd sleep <laughs> it was great for her gave her a nap and gave me something to do you know she knew I was close by because I was brushing her hair um, I think I told you already I think I told the listeners about painting grandma's house yeah yeah, uh, with water. And um, she used to read to me a lot. She One story in particular I remember her reading me was about this little church. In, in, I think it was either called the Little Brown Church or the Little Church in the Wildwood or something like that, a combination of it. And I can still remember the page. It was like a one-page story, and right in the middle of the page was this little tiny picture about two inches square of this little brown church. And I can remember sitting there looking at that picture while she'd read. And she had dentures and her teeth clicked musically, sort of, while she read and spoke. And I was fond memories of that. And she also had um, hands very similar to mine. She had spots like those. And she got a, uh, what do they call those bumps that they get in their hands sometimes? It's a, got a special name for it. You whack them with a book to get rid of them. Not like it's thigh. No, it's cyst, but it's got a certain name. And I, if you Google "whack your hand with a book," it'll actually come up because I looked it up one time. Really? It, yeah, <laughs> because that was the old-fashioned treatment for it was to whack it, and and all that that did was to disperse the the junk in the cyst. Right. You know, it popped it, and it and it just kind of dispersed in the hand and it went away. Interesting. Yeah, doctors today just have a shit fit when you tell them, oh, I just whacked it with a book. <laughs> they don't like that at all. But anyway, 
Um, I remember that about her hands. Uh, you know, it's funny the things that you remember in your mind's eye from when you were that little. Right. You know. Um, anyhow, Sadie was my grandmother, my maternal grandmother's first name. And we lived in Burbank. Right. And when I suggested it to you, I said, how about Sadie Burbank? You liked it. And to me, it had a, a, just a nice flow. So to it, there yeah. you go. Well, then when I wrote Red Hills, um, when when I was with Steve, mm-hmm. he had trouble with my name. Now my my Your real, real name. name was Mary Lynn. Right. Okay. Well, he either didn't like it or couldn't remember it or I don't know what. Anyhow, he called me. He started saying ML, and that just sort of got stretched into Mel, okay? So he called me Mel. Well, when I was writing the book, I didn't want to use the name Mel. Right. So, but I wanted to use something equally shortened and, and feeling sort of the same. So I came up with Sam for Samantha. Ah, oh, that's right. I even forgot that. You forgot that. So... Then, I didn't want to have Samantha Sadie Burbank, so I just dropped the Samantha part and put the S Sadie Burbank. So that's where the S came. And now, S Sadie Burbank. Just and that rolls right off the tongue like, it, like I was born with it. And I have to tell you, sometimes I, I have to catch myself. Not calling me Sadie. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I use it a lot. Like, when we go to restaurants or whatever, and they, they say, and the name is, I'll go Sadie. Because <laughs> I'm like... Fuck, I'm not telling you a name, bitch. You know, I hate it when you go somewhere and they go, and what is your area code? Or what is, or not your area code, what is your zip code? You know? Right. Or, or what is your telephone number? Look, I just want to buy a screwdriver. I'm not going to give you my phone number. I'm going to pay cash, okay? You don't need my phone number. You yeah. Know? And Ernie, he's so cool. You know, he'll just go, ha, 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 well, they just they just need it for their it. they yeah. just need it for their thing, and I'm yeah, and then I'm gonna get phone calls from them trying to sell me screwdrivers. Don't go there, anyway. So that's where the S. Sadie Burbank came from, and it's hard it's hard to it's hard to lose. It's hard to you know it's just ingrained now. Well, yeah, especially after twenty weeks. Well, no, but I mean, even you know, since since I started the book, the book, and and it's just like that. Yeah, I mean, it's S. Sadie Burbank, and so there you go. That's I don't know. I I because if you actually go farther back than that, you originally wrote a children's story. I did. I did. I I, I wrote under the pen name uh, so unique. Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> when that book comes out, when the books come out, there won't be Grandma Sadie. Because that was actually the next step in, in the evolution of the name. It was you to actually, go Grandma Sadie? You went, yeah, it was supposed to go Grandma Sadie. Yeah. But I think at this point now, it should just be S. Sadie. It probably will be. It, because you said everything I do now should be connected on that under that name and so it probably will and it's okay it doesn't have to be grandma the only reason i thought of grandma was because i thought again the, the first story orange cat is really geared to uh the five-year-old or well three maybe three years old yeah preschooler to a little older than that depending on how much 
they can relate to the subject at hand. I know you said you read it to Jay and he liked it. Yes. Um, so, but then that was, what, five years ago? He was about that old. So yes. that was uh, an appropriate uh, timing. Now he's into you know, whole drama. Other, whole other world. He likes, he he likes, likes drama and action. And, and horror. Yeah. yeah. That's, just that's like. good. That's all right. Make, we all make changes in what we like. Absolutely. So, but anyhow, it's, it's, uh, being that I wrote it for littler kids, the idea of it being written by grandma sort of appealed right. to the process, you know, the like, creative you, process, yeah. yeah, cause I always envision people reading it to children, you know, right. either to a child or to a group of children or whatever. Pardon me, and then they would say, you know, this story is by grandma, and then the kids would all go, ooh, and everything. But, you know, kids' kids' affinity for their grandparents is different than mine was. I agree. My, my family was a multi-generational family living in the same house. That's rare these days. It's very rare for uh, grandmas and grandpas and moms and dads and kids to share the same house. Right. Well, this also, and the generation that we're in, and I experienced this firsthand with my own kids, is the the term grandma, or even grandpa, for that matter, is is actually fading in this generation. It is. It is. There's a lot of nanas, yeah. for one, or, or papas, you know, or whatever kids call their grandparents right. these and, days. And that was the thing, is, is like, my mom did not want to be called grandma. Yeah, see not And so she's Nani. And then And it really his, doesn't his, bother me. I kinda like being called grandma because that's what I am, but I'm a lot older than your mom, I think. I don't know, but yeah. it seemed to be. And and You're about I'm about I mean, ten years older than she is anyway, aren't yeah, I? Yeah, about Because you're about you're fifteen years younger than my youngest. Or no, wait, you're 30 what? I'll be 36 next. 36, and Bob, Bob's like 46 or 47. Oh, okay. I should know that, shouldn't I? Well, anyway, he's one of those. And, uh, uh, God, my oldest one is approaching 50 rapidly. That's scary and shit. My mom turned 60 this year. Okay, see, and I'm 72. So, um, I don't mind being called a grandma. I have no illusions about the visual effect I have on people. Uh, I look pretty much like a... Although, when I tell people... I just did this the other day. It's so, it's so good for my ego. I was at uh, Walmart, and uh, I bought a... Uh, or had in my cart this little squirt bottle for water. You know, and the stupid thing was like, what is that, eight inches? Yeah. Or if you're an egotistical guy, 12. <laughs> uh, and a spray thingy on top of it. Like a spritzer bottle? Uh-huh. uh-huh. And and uh, they were doing inventory that day. And I went up to near the checkout stands, and a lot of the employees who couldn't be doing anything else because the inventory was going on were kind of just hanging out and, right. you know, talking and whatnot. So I, I held this thing up to this lady and gentleman that were standing there with a few other employees and I said is this the best thing you can do for a spritz bottle? I said I want this for plants and he says where'd you get that? Over in the health and beauty aids? I said yeah and it was like 97 cents for this little 
stinking bottle and it doesn't have enough well I can spit more than this whole you know <laughs> and so he said this nice lady I shouldn't say her name but I do remember her name uh, she may not want her name spoken well was she is it a nice comment? it's a nice company, Walmart, but I mean she may not want people to know she's there you know, I wouldn't necessarily want people to know how to find me, Okay, you know, but anyway, this very nice lady he said, she will go and find you another one over in the garden center and I said, oh that's not very nice of you, why don't you go (laughs) he says, because I have rank and she doesn't or some silly answer like that, you know jokingly and I said, like, to her, I said, I really appreciate it, because I, I said, I'm kind of on the old side, and I don't walk real good anymore, you know, that far, and I've already walked all over the store twice looking for one. And she said, oh, you're not that old. And I said, I will be 73 in September. And she said, you will not. And I said, oh, yes, I will. I never would, you know, that's so good for my ego, because I get told that a lot. Never would have guessed you at 73. And then, just to really rub it in, when I checked out, this same subject came up with the lady who was checking me out. She was also a very nice lady. And uh, we said something about uh, being tired and wanting to go home or something. And I mentioned how old I was. And she says, no, you're 60. And I said, no, but thank you for saying so. And I walked out and said, oh, that's so good for my ego. I really like that. <laughs> Believe it or not, I've actually, when I, people, you know, I've talked to and I said, you know, how old you are? They're like, no. Yeah, I know. I know. I get. I do get that a lot. But I, ha- I harbor no illusions, as I said, that that my appearance is anything other than at best sixty-ish. Okay, right. I can, and I'm happy with that. I, you know, I don't don't need to be forty anymore. Don't need to look like I'm thirty anymore. I'm totally cool with, you know. And if I lost sixty or seventy pounds, I might look at fifty age. Okay, I know because I'm heavy. I look older. But anyhow, um, I like being called grandma by my granddaughters, you know, and Ernie is grandpa, even though they're step-grandchildren for him, so to speak. I guess they are. I don't know. The children are stepchildren. Does that make their children step-grandchildren or just grandchildren? Grandchildren. Yeah. So he's grandpa. Well, believe it or not. We got finally to the end, did we? Yes. Yes. Okay, well, I've babbled enough then, I guess. So, I hope all of you have enjoyed this two-hour episode. <laughs> it is two-hour? Oh, my God, it is. Oh, my God, it's almost time to go home and cook dinner. Uh, so, real fast comments. Um, it will, we will be gone off-air for maybe two to three weeks total, just because I have to copyright, copyright the name, get it licensed, get uh, everything. I have to rebuild everything. Okay. So, it's going to be okay. at least two to three weeks before we get back on the air. And then when we get back on the air, it's going to be us, but a totally different show. Yes. We're hoping. Yes, we hope. And 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 like I said at the beginning of the show, we don't learn from our successes. We learn from our mistakes. If it turns out that this is a mistake, we'll learn from it and we'll go on to something different. Maybe even back to when in Burbank. Who knows? I doubt it, but you know. Right. You know. And don't forget to send in your suggestions for topics for yeah. us to tell you what we think about. To what we think at jazelmon.com. Right. You got it. 
I did it right. Got it. Right. And I also want to thank everybody for coming in and listening to us for the last 20 episodes. Yeah, me too. Um, I hope that we've grown as podcasters, you know, in, in that time. And I think, uh, for me, I definitely know that I have because even though while I still use, uh, I don't use it 72 times <laughs> like I did in the very first episode, <laughs> though you guys won't hear it because I edited it all out. So I, I do appreciate everybody coming in and I hope that everybody comes back in a couple weeks and, and enjoy the new show that we have. So for the final time, I'm David K. Montoya. And I am S. Sadie Burbank. And remember kids, if you haven't been around for the last 20 episodes, then you have no clue that what happens in Burbank, well, it ended up on this podcast. and For the last time. For the last time. Good night, folks. Good night. Yeah, and I uh, said wrapping everything up for this week's uh, episode of Flashback Friday, we're going to take a little quick look at Seeing Red number episode number 51. Hey, boys and girls. Welcome to Seeing Red. I'm David K. Montoya. I'm Rebecca C. Lofgren. And I'm Aaron Illich. I'm trying to say this with a straight face because Rebecca's over there behind the mic and she, I could watch her mouth. She's like nailing it right <laughs> on, lip syncing. So here's a question for you. Now, we've talked about our religious beliefs before. And I know this isn't Christ, uh, Christmas, so we're not going to get wholeheartedly into like the, the serious bit of things. But, you know, for... Christians in general, I think is the general thing is, is Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Do you remember that one time it was in 2011, that one crazy ass preacher? He got all the people of his church to give him everything that they had and they were all homeless and shit because the end of the world was coming. Right. Yeah, I remember that. Well, you see, now we're shooting ever so closely to 2014 and, and I think religious beliefs and views are, um, they're not so easily fooled after that. They want some type of scientific evidence. So I present to you the first article of the night that I found, and I seen this and it cracked me up. And it is, is second coming of Jesus etched in the night sky, says NASA. Really? <laughs> yes. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Is it possible the return of Jesus Christ to earth can be found and foretold not only in the Bible, but also in the night sky since the creation of the universe? A Christian minister who uses NASA tracking of solar and lunar eclipses in his teaching of the great events is now explaining how... I've heard about this guy. Oh, really? He teaches people how to do this. How at least one constellation is an outright declaration of the second coming. Now... I find this humorous because that's astrology. And he's using astrology, which is a, a pagan belief. Which is like fortune telling, basically. Which, you know, most Christians are like, oh, no. Yeah. Get mom in here. She'd be like, oh, no. You know, is now pretty much, well, we're out of, we're out of ways to convince people that Christ is coming back. So... We're gonna go this route. Yeah. We're gonna. You know, we're gonna. This guy charges people up the butt for this to teach them how to do this. Really? Yes. It says in a new DVD series called "Studies in Our Hebrew Roots," Mark Blitz, pastor of El Sada 
Ministries in Booney Lake, Washington, revisits what he and some others believe is a biblical biblical plan of God on display in physical heavens. Probe the heavens like you've never have before in this fascinating eight DVD set that also explores more of Christianity's Hebrew roots. Now, can you say DVD sells? Yeah, money. This guy's a kook. I was I read a thing about him. Like he basically tries to train people how to do this. There's you can do all kinds of stuff with the star. It's basically like teaching people astronomy. It's funny. Or astrology, I should say. Astrology. Right, right, right. Um, okay, let's see what else it says. In his videotaped lectures, Blitz focuses on the stars he calls Actarius, which is mentioned in the Old Testament book of Job, or Job, however you want to pronounce it, which maketh Asterius, Orion, and Pelagius, and the chambers of the south, Job 9.9. In, let's see, if one were to consult a map of the night sky, Aquarius, or Aquarius, he's talking about Aquarius now, could be found in the left knee of the constellation called Bootos. And I'm not making that up, that's B-O hyphen O-T-E-S, meaning the coming one. Depicted as a warrior coming to harvest according to the Blitz, Citing previous research by noted 19th century biblical scholar E.W. Bullinger, who wrote The Witness of the Stars. Blitz explains the Hebrew word translated in Job comes from the same root word found in the book of Joel discussing the return of Jesus, but is rendered in Joel 13.11 as a symbol. Now, my question, why does people want to fucking end the world so quickly? I mean, really? I don't know. I, I, I've yet to figure that out. I mean, why? Why? I mean, okay, sure, if you're homeless and you're broke and you, you know, you have nothing to live for, okay, I kind of get that. But if you have, you know, a family, good job, life isn't so bad, why do you want to fucking die? I don't know. I just, I don't know. It just kind of cracks me up because, well, number one, it's it's so driven that way. And, you know, Christianity, you know, oh, you want to die? You want to go to heaven? Well, no, no. I mean, yeah, sure, you want to go to heaven, but you, no one really wants to die. And if you yeah. do want to die and go to heaven, there's something fucking wrong with you. I mean, really. Okay, we'll see what else we got. Um, the word assemble is the same word that trans, that is translated as a tourist in job. He said, so it means the same thing to assemble, to come. And if you'll notice the word come is bow, which is the name of the constellation bow oats. So this constellation, then four periods, dot, 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 dot. He got a uh, a sickle in one hand, a spear in the other. This is a sign of the Messiah who says, I'm coming. That's what the constellation is all about, the coming one. <sighs> He's reaching. He's really reaching. <clears throat> um, in Revelation, it talks about 
he has a sickle in one hand. The book of Revelation states from the Apostle John's perspective, and I looked and behold the white cloud. Oh my God, I see white clouds all the time. Oh, the end. Oh, the end is nigh. (laughs) Sorry. The end is not. Nigh. And upon the cloud sit, oh, well, see, well, unless you count planes, I see planes that kind of look like on clouds. Uh, upon a cloud, one set like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown in his name, or in his hand a sharp sickle. And he that sat on the cloud trust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth so reap, blah, 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 I'm losing interest. Just probably because I've read that book so many times. So... Interestingly, on March 19, 2008, a powerful gamma ray... Oh, now we're talking gamma rays. We're talking... Ooh. Incredible Hulk. Yeah. We're all going to Hulk out. Um, powerful gamma ray burst detected by NASA Swift satellite in the Bow Oats constellation shattered the record for the most distant object that could have seen by the naked eye. It was a whopper. A swift principal investigator, Neil, whatever the fuck his name is, of Goddard Space Flight Center. It blows away every gamma ray burst ever seen so far. NASA said after Afterglow was 2.5 million times more luminescent than the most luminous supernovas ever recorded, making it the most... Bright object ever observed by the human eye in the universe. Okay. So we've got now. I don't even. What, what does that it? have to do with? Well, that's what I'm saying. He's, he's throwing that in there because it's an official quote from NASA. Saying, well, what does that have to do with anything? But, well, I, I, it's him using NASA quote to make his, his story seem more credible. Yes. Yes. And, um, yeah, so 2014, there's, there's more. Let's see. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm, I'm, when I first read the topic, it was a lot more interesting. <laughs> um, something about the lunar eclipse in 2014 and 15. Today's Gregorian during the Passover. And Lindsay Lohan. Oh, wait. Yeah. And it's gone. Yeah. (laughs) And that's it. Um, but anyway, my, my whole thing was, is just, I don't understand people's mentalities behind the, the purpose of wanting to, I mean, sure, everybody wants to believe that their, their religion or their spiritual beliefs are, are correct, but come on. You know, don't fucking grab. Just get what what you have. Yeah. Speaking of grabbing, I I hear that uh Kanye West did some grabbing of his own this week. Um, you want to tell me about it? Just give me a little insight because you're the one that sent me the the link. Well, I don't I was just running across some stuff on Facebook and I just I, I ran across something that kind of caught my eye and it, it was something about Kanye West and I scrolled up and normally I wouldn't, but it what caught my eye is he was wearing a jacket with the Confederate flag on it. And the title of the article was Kanye West adopts Confederate flag as his own 
um, emblem or something like that. And I read the article and it basically goes in depth of, I guess his new, um, his new album that's going to come out or something. Uh huh. He's going to rep the Confederate flag, basically claiming it is his own. And he produced shirts and like purses and different accessories with the Confederate flag on it. It says, you ain't coming down or something like that that's, on it. That's too much. So he doesn't understand, I think, what the Confederate flag means. I don't think he does either. Like I said, it's to me, it's absurd. Well, you know, it's, he's probably trying to like. Well, you know, they they used this to be against us, so now we're going to use it for ourselves. We're going to yeah. take it back, take it back to the South. Right. Well, it wasn't theirs in the first place. I to know take that. Back. Yeah. You know, Kanye West is an idiot. He needs his daughter north, okay? She's a freaking air, she's an airline. I, I was gonna say, did, have you listened to that episode of What We Think? I think I, I literally did a 30 minute rant on the Cardassian and, and, uh, Kanye, Kanye naming their kid Northwest. He's an idiot. Anything he, he does an doesn't idiot. surprise me. Yeah, that's why I was just like, wow. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I was listening to the Kevin and Bean show. And it's a, it's a radio station, but I, I listen to it once in a while on the internet, you know, because you listen to it streaming. Mm-hmm. And he walked in, uh, Kanye West walked in right in the middle of the, they were doing something. I don't remember exactly what they were doing. It is, he just walked in, like, you know, and he's talking and he's promoting his, his new album and shit. And before he left, he, he goes, I want to apologize to all you out there, all you men out there, because, uh, you know, uh, I, I set the bar so high for my proposal and, and, and no one in the world can do a better proposal because I'm a genius. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, wow. Now, anybody with his money could make that proposal. Yeah. For what it was, it was really fucking cheap. You know, for as much money as he has, he, yeah. he rented out a baseball field, came out there and, and had like champagne and, and then fireworks and then proposed to her. Ooh. It's not even creative though. <clears throat> well, the funny thing is he stole that from a movie. I've seen at least five or six movies that, that have something like that yeah. on it. Yeah. Yep. But first he, thing that popped into my mind was anger management. Yes. But he's a he's a creative genius. No, he's not. He's and, and he kind of he he reminds me. He talks. He kind of reminds me of William Shatner. You know, <laughs> because he has that. You know, and uh, my my new CD. You know, it just that that pausing that Shatner does. Yeah. He kind of does the same thing. And then uh, a few weeks before, he was talking about how great of a person he was, and and that. Um, he was so wise and he's always known what to do with his money because when his first check as a telemarketer, uh, before he became rich and famous, he was a telemarketer uh-huh. and his very first check, instead of paying his bills and buying groceries, he, because he, he was a very, he's a genius and he knows everything. He bought himself a pair of Gucci slippers with his first telemarketing check. And for some reason, that makes him a genius instead of paying his fucking bills. What the hell? <laughs> he, he's like... and All those drugs got to him. That or somebody sitting there been for too many years, somebody's been sitting there and saying... You're wonderful. Yeah. You're, so, you're greater than everybody else. You're just wonderful. Building him up. 
Yes. To, for no reason, because he sucks. I hate him. And now he believes it. Yeah. Wasn't he the same douchebag that, like, and, and I'm not a big fan of um, Taylor Swift. Yeah. But yes, it was the same fucking, pre- they did it on, was it the VMAs? Yeah. He, uh, he walked up during uh, Taylor Swift's awards ceremony. Mm-hmm. He cut her off what, he, what she was about to say. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I just have to say that, who was it, Rihanna? Beyonce. Beyonce had uh, one of the best music videos out there. And Taylor Swift just got the award for best music video. Right. Taylor Swift won all this. She won a lot. Best uh. album and all this. And then Beyonce was just like, her eyes got so big. She was like, oh, my God. Like, what am I going to do? I'm never going to live this down. They're going to think this was my idea. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So she had to make a public apology. And he was forced to make a public apology. He It was like a half-assed apology. Mind you, he went into the VMAs drinking whiskey. Nice. Yeah, you can, like, if you go on the internet and you literally look it up, uh-huh. there's pictures of him carrying a glass thing of whiskey. Just down in that shit. <sighs> oh, that that is definitely good father-making material right there, folks. Him in Northwest. Huh? Oh, yeah. You know, uh, and... I, I said this, I don't know if I said this on air before or what, but in 20 years, if we're still doing podcasts in 20 years, we're, we, I guarantee you in 20 years, there is going to be called a porn and it's going to be with Northwest and it's going to call, it's going to be Northwest goes south. It's going to be the porn. <laughs> That's funny. So. I, and you know what I think? I'm like, what, what was he thinking when, he decided to go with Northwest is why would you you could have just named your daughter Washington well for one he named her a fucking direction right (laughs) (laughs) he must have got on the compass and was like here we go Northwest (laughs) you know know, the reason why you know why he went with North right no because North is the highest point wow North is a direction, not a fucking point. See, you know, just like he's Jesus, and he's got help us, and he's rich. I don't know how he got rich either. Like, who, who knows him? What are his connections? I know, because because he bought himself some Gucci, some Gucci slippers with a fucking check for telemarketing. Yeah. And how? Because I mean, if he called me, ha, Mister Montoya. I have a wonderful product for you to d- click. You know, he wouldn't even like, finish. It would be like, uh, hi, I just want to tell you about this wonderful product. I'm Kanye West. How I'm are you a, doing today? I'm a creative genius. <laughs> like, how does one even get to a point where they, they set themselves on such a high pedestal that they think they're basically – he basically proclaims himself to be a, a god. Among people. Yeah, that was another thing. Yeah. That, and I guess I can tie this into the last uh, article we were reading. He he brings out on his show, he he, uh, he brings out different people from the past. Mm. And he brings out Jesus on stage. And he's like, yo, is that Jesus? And the guy playing Jesus is like, yes, bro, or some shit like that. Wow. And uh it, from what I understand, I've never seen the show, but I even think he, he brings out Hitler, I think, too. Jeez. And I'm like, eh, you really sh- 
should study history a little bit more. Just yes. a little bit. <clears throat> I think that through everything Kanye West has been through and how publicly humiliating like his actions have been, you would think he would learn by now. He's stupid. I'm going on record to say that he's not a creative genius. Now, I get the fact that people are proud of their creative endeavors. I mean, I'm cre- I'm proud of my creative endeavors. I've done a lot of shit. But in the 20 years, 20 plus years that I've been doing writing, publishing, now I'm podcasting, I don't think I've ever called myself a creative genius. genius yeah. And quite frankly, I don't think I've ever actually called myself a genius. You know, that that goes beyond being self-confident into beyond being egotistical that almost goes into like narcissism yeah he's very narcissistic he's tony stark as a black man (laughs) worse oh my god yeah i don't think connie loves anyone but himself and maybe his baby i don't know i don't even know I, i couldn't even consider that possibility since we're talking and i don't know yeah yeah i will uh you know that the uh the Cardassians are technically not the Cardassians, they're the Jenners because um Chris Cardassian, who to me looks like a dude, you know, transvestite, and um Chris not Chris is the wife and what's the husband's name? Bruce. Bruce, who looks like a lesbian. You know <laughs> he has that he has the lesbian he has a chick's body with a, a lesbian do hairdo. Yeah. You know, so they're married. Well, they're getting a divorce. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and this was actually in the news because she was out schmoozing with some other guy mm. at a party while he was getting treatment for his cancer. Wow. So he's he's going to divorce her. But here's the thing that makes me just like, ooh, squeal like a little bitch. They got married when she was poor. She didn't have shit when they got married. Yeah. So guess what? There's no prenuptial agreement. That means Kris Jenner is getting 50% of the Kardashian fortune. And that makes me happy. Even though he looks like a little lesbian bitch. You mean Bruce Jenner? Yes. You said Kris Jenner. Oh, whatever. They're, they're, they're all just... Weird looking, but yeah. So the dude, the former Olympian, he's gonna get half he's gonna get money. half of that money, and I, again, that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, I just I don't care for the Jenners. I don't care for the Cardassians. I don't care for any of them. I don't. And and I'm not gonna turn this into a rant, but I'm gonna try not to turn this into a rant. But again, and I, I don't know where we've talked about, I do so many podcasts that it's hard for, for me to remember where I say shit. But, okay, other than having a videotape get leaked out to the public online with, uh, Kim Kardashian getting done up in the butt by a rapper, what has she done? Nothing. I mean, and that, that's, that's claim to fame. It's just, Getting, her daddy was famous. 
That's how a lot of these so-called celebrities get famous. Explain. It's, it's their uh, parents. It's that, and it's publicity gone wrong. Well, see, and that's yeah, because um, Farah Abraham. Do you know who she is? Uh-uh. Team mom. Oh yeah. She's the one that was uh, got pregnant by this kid, and I guess he died before the baby oh, yeah, was born. Yeah. Well, she's just a full-on slut now. She is a full-on slut. She make she just came out this year with uh, her own leaked video of her getting it in the butt, and it, in fact, it's called Team Team Backdoor Mom. Oh my god! And. Uh, yeah, so it's pretty much her having butt sex with some porn star. And then later this year, she came out and they did a press release while they were molding, they were putting a cast mold over her vagina and her butthole because they were going to make sex toys out of it. Oh my gosh. And then, <clears throat> this is one of my favorite ones. She was on a talk show and they were talking about, um, you know, different things to her. And one of the, the members in the audience said, well, do you consider yourself a feminist? And she's like, no, I, I'm not a lesbian. Oh, my God. <laughs> and and they literally, you can find this online, folks. You can put Farrah uh, Abraham lesbian feminist on YouTube, and you can see the whole thing. They're like, no, a feminist, a feminist. And she, and I think in the end, she's like, yeah, I think I look pretty, or some shit like that. Oh she God. is fucking stupid. And that's why she's on Team Mom. And now she's actually being investigated because she held down her four year old and waxed her eyebrows. Um, and she went on another show, and she was justifying it. You know, she's like, "Well, I'm just trying to to show her the inner beauty." And, and the, the audience were like, "You're showing her a four year old. You you have to be beautiful to wax your eyebrows and put on you, uh, makeup. You know, on a four year old." Mm-hmm. And she goes, and somebody said something about waxing her eyebrows, and she goes, "Well, but she was asleep." So this bitch. Literally put, even worse. put hot wax on an unsuspecting four-year-old baby and went, rip, rip. Oh, my God. That actually broke my heart when I heard that. For the kid. Yeah. Oh, she better make a lot Traumatizing. of. Traumatizing. I was going to say she ba- better make a lot of money with the, the porn toys and the ass fucking because she's going to have a big therapist bill for her kid to pay for. Yeah. That's... I don't know, folks. Unfortunately, that's the society we live in today. And it's nothing to be proud of whatsoever. Speaking of, you know, ass-fucking. In New Mexico, a man sues over repeated anal probes by police. And this actually comes from Rudder. So it's it's a, a viable source. You know who, what Rudder's is, right? Yeah. Both of you guys? Okay. Um, let's see. Let me scroll down. I, I just kind of led with the, the title. I went right into it. No pun intended. Um, so it's a 
New Mexico man has filed a lawsuit claiming police subjected him to repeated anal probes and enemas after a routine traffic stop because they suspected he was hiding drugs. David Edick, 54, claimed violation of his civil rights in a lawsuit which was filed in the U.S. District Court of New Mexico in August, but not made public until this week, his lawyer said on Wednesday. Now, I would not make that shit public. Right? You want anybody to know? Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, really. I mean, fine. Okay, he's probably going to win a gazillion dollars, but you know, as soon as they show his face on TV, he's not going to be able to walk around anywhere without like. Yeah. He he got it in the ass by the police, you know. Ah, oh, people, what's wrong with you? Move to a different state. <laughs> yeah, really. It'll fall. Comes to California, like, ooh, that's the guy that got done in the butt with the police. Oh my god. Let's get his autograph. He's gonna be like Stan Smith on the episode of uh, a fam of uh, American Dad. American Dad, yeah. Where he pooped in the pool, and every time he moves to a different state, they knew about it because it was on YouTube and it was viral. Oh shit! It's gonna be that guy. Exactly. Uh, let's see. We got a quote. It says, "This suit is about stopping officers and doct and doctors." from subjecting people in their custody and control to unlawful sadistic medical procedures that violate the most intimate parts of the human body. Attorney Sharon Kennedy said. Now, where do I start? He has a chick lawyer, and he's saying he's got ass raped by doctors and police. police. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, there's a problem. I've worked in the medical field for 20 years. Mm -hmm. I've given enemas. I've given real enemas. And it's a tube that's about a quarter of an inch long, or a quarter of an inch in diameter. Very, very tiny. And it's very long, and it's hooked to a bucket, and you run it up into the rectum until you hit into the colon. And... You Put run water, warm right? water in it, yeah. right. Here's the problem, folks. It's so small, most people don't even realize it's in. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Um, again, I, I've been in the medical field. I'm talking from medical experience. Well, he was probed also, wasn't he? Like, they're feeling for drugs, basically. Right, right. But I'm just saying, but, yeah. you know, with the, the whole thing of enema, um, you know, I, I've told people, okay, we're going to open a gauge that lets the water f go down the tube. And many times they're like, oh, okay, it's already in. You know, like they didn't realize it was even in. Yeah. Because it's so fucking small. So there you go for trying to turn that into a sex act because it, it just doesn't work. And again, a dude getting a, a, a woman attorney i don't know something just doesn't seem right with me on this one maybe she's putting it in the butt with him <laughs> maybe <laughs> no it was him legal action stems from itic's treatment by police after he was pulled over in january for failing to come to a complete stop while exiting a walmart parking lot in deeming new mexico okay well that's his problem right there 
he was he was shopping at Walmart. So the root of all evil is Walmart. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there was an episode of South Park about that actually. I know I've seen it. Oh yeah, where they <laughs> take over everything. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Da-da-da-da. I'm trying to find here. I I actually let's see. There it is. Officers suspected that he was hiding drugs in his anus based on the way he was standing and the fact that a police dog alerted to the driver's seat and obtained a search warrant to include but not limited to the plaintiff's anal cavity, according to the lawsuit. After a medical facility is deeming refused to carry out the procedure, Edict was taken to Gila Medical Center in Silver City, the lawsuit says, where he was forced to undergo eight searches, including digital penetrations of his anus, three enemas, two x-rays, and a colonoscopy. Wouldn't you think what they the would fuck? They're looking for a handgun up there or what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they must have found out he had good insurance, so they're like, let's charge it. Let's charge it. Or something. Like, why would they have to do all that for a little bit of drugs? Well, to be honest with you, they could have done it with an x-ray. They could have found it with an x-ray. Why two x-rays? You got me. Why a colonoscopy? Yeah. That's where they go up the... T- He's you know, going to get tons of money for Oh, this. yes. Yes. Ultimately, no drugs were found, according to the compl- uh, uh, according to the complaint which says that the Gila National Medical Center billed Edict for the services it was performed. See, I told you he had good insurance. Uh, I know insurance too well. Um, representatives of the Deeming Police Department and the Gila Regional Medical Center could not be reached for comment on Wednesday. Yeah, there, there's somebody's, yeah. He's, oh, oh fuck it, man. I mean, if at first I was reading this, I thought, you know, he's walking out of Walmart and they like start cavity searching him right there. Yeah. You know, get against the wall. I want to know Spread why him. they had reason to suspect. Because they said a dog smelt it. Why yes. would they even need? Why would they even have reason to suspect he had drugs at all? Well, okay, yeah. they made him get out of the car probably to do a sobriety check. Uh. When they, because he, he failed to stop at a stop sign pulling out of Walmart. So they probably pulled him over. He probably got out of the car and they said he looked, you know, the way he was walking. Maybe he just had to pinch a deuce. I mean, really. Probably. Maybe. You know, and, and then the, the, the made him wait there, got the dog, dog. He's probably running to get home because he had a poop. Probably. <laughs> I don't care about the, the sign. Just go, just go. And so, yeah, I mean, but yeah, that's overkill. Beyond overkill. More like over anus. <laughs> uh, Dimming Police Chief Brandon Galette told local KOB TV, we follow the law in every aspect and we follow policy and protocols that have been put into place. What the fuck kind of protocol asks for two <laughs> x-rays? How many colonoscopies? One colonoscopy. One colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. Multiple enemas. Yeah. Why does protocol ask for that? It doesn't. They just wanted to charge him money. Oh, man. It was... It's almost inhumane if you think about it. It's like torture. 
Well, at least nobody had their uh, their iPhones out, you know? True, no videos. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> because um, you, you, you think, folks, that you're at a hospital that, you know, video won't pop up on YouTube of you, but that's not necessarily, you know, especially with some of these backwater places, you know, yeah. you go down to the south, you know, bada bang, 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 Well, see, this is even New Mexico. That's still as bad. Yeah. Well, it's close to Texas, so that's, you know, close enough. Um. Uh, let's see. Do I'm looking at something right now. Uh, that's kind of depressing. I don't want to talk about that. At first, I was going to, but no, nah, the kid kid got ass raped. I didn't know it was a kid. Wow! You can tell I'm reading it. Let's see. Man, kidnapped, da-da-da. Bear with me, folks. I'm trying to find something good here. Let's see. Oh, shit. Here's This isn't funny, but this caught my attention. And this is for Vice.com. Uh, let's see. Okay, the headline of this article says, Ghost Rapes of Bolivia. What? Yes. I guess the segment is all about raping? No, because that would be depressing. (laughs) (laughs) For a while, the residents of Manitoba Colony thought that demons were raping the town women. Yes. Yes, yes. See how that all fits in? See, that is clever right there. I brought in the the whole Jesus religious experience, the man getting butt raped, Kardashians and Abraham getting fucked in the ass. I'm just bringing that all together in one article right here. That's some <laughs> good production right there. Okay, so let's try this again. Uh, let's see. For a while, the residents of Minnetoba Colony thought that demons were raping the town's women. There were no other explanation. No way of explaining how a woman could wake up with a blood and semen stain smeared across her sheets and no memory of the previous night. No way of explaining how another went to sleep clothed only to wake up naked and covered in dirty fingerprints all over your body. No way to understand how another could dream of a man forcing himself onto her in a field and then wake up the next morning in with grass in her hair. Sarah Gutner, the mis- the mystery was the rope. Mm, okay. She would sometimes wake up in her bed with a small piece of it tied tightly around her wrist or ankles. The skin beneath an aching blue. Damn. Early this year, I visited Sarah in her, at her home simply painted to look like brick in Manitoba colony Bolivia are simple oh they're Amish wait uh, to the Amish in the rejection of modern and technology the Manitoba colony like all ultra conservative 
Mennonites uh, community is a collective attempt to retreat as far as possible. Oh, you know what? This is starting to... This is going to... Ah, oh, fuck. What was that M. Night Shyamalan movie? The Village. The Village. Yes. Yes. Real life village. Uh, attempt to retreat as far as possible from the non-believing world. A slight breeze of soy came off the nearby fields as Sarah told me how. In addition to the eerie rope on the mornings after she'd been raped, she would also wake up stained with, with stained sheets, thunderous headaches, and paralyzing lethargy. Okay, jumping over to page two. Her two daughters, 17 and 18-year-olds, squattered silently along the wall behind her and shot me furious blue-eyed stares. The evil had penetrated the household, Sarah said. Five years ago, her daughters also began waking up with dirty sheets and complaints of pain down below. The family tried locking the doors some nights, Sarah did everything she could to keep herself awake. On occasions, a loyal Bavarian worker from the neighborhood of the city of Santa Cruz would stay uh, stay the night to stand guard. But evidently, when their one-story house, set back and isolated from a dirt road, was not being watched, the rapes continued. The Manitobians aren't connected to the power grid, so at night, the community is submerged in total darkness. It happened so many times, I lost count, Sarah said, in her native low German, the only language she speaks, like most women in the, co in the community. Now, before I read on, I want to show you Sarah and her two daughters. Okay, you ready for this? Yeah. Okay, that's Sarah and her two daughters. Oh. <laughs> wow. Ooh, somebody desperate. Holy crap. <laughs> okay. Woo. That that yeah, that's scary. Even the daughters are like creepy looking. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh let's see. And let's jump down here. In the beginning, the family had no idea that they were the only ones, they weren't the only ones being attacked. And so they kept it to themselves. Sarah stated, yell, uh, telling her sisters, when rumors spread, no one believed her. And Peter Fair, Sarah's neighbor at the time of the incident, we thought she was making it up to hide an affair. Who would want to fucking have an affair with her? Jesus I Christ. I don't know. The family plead for help, and the Council of Church Ministers, a group of men who govern the 2,500-member colony, were fruitless, even as the tell multiplied. Throughout the community, people were waking up in the same telltale morning signs, rape pajama, ripped pajamas, blood, and semen on the bed, head-thumping stupor. Some women remembered brief moments of terror for an instant they would wake to a man or men on top of them but couldn't summon the strength to yell or fight back. Then fade to black. 
<clears throat> Some called it a wild female imagination. Others said it was the plague from God. <laughs> <laughs> We only knew that some strange, something strange was happening in the night. Abraham Wall Earns, Manitoba County civic leader at the time, said, but we don't know who's doing it, so how could we stop it? No one knew what to do, and so no one did anything at all. After a while, Sarah just accepted those nights as horrific acts of life, on the following mornings, her family would raise, dis rise despite the head pain, uh, strip bed, and get on with their day. That's kind of a horrible way to live. Yeah, really. Then on the night of June 2009, two men were caught trying to enter a neighbor's home. The two ratted out a few friends and... Falling like a house of cards, a group of nine Manitoba men, ages 19 to 43, eventually confessed that they had been raping colony females since 2005. To incapacitate their victims and many possible witnesses, the men used a spray created by Viet veterinarians from a neighbor neighboring Manitoba community that had adapted from a chemical used for anesthesia. And, uh, yeah, for anesthesia. According to their initial confession, which they later recanted, the rapists admit to sometimes in a group, sometimes alone, hiding outside bedroom windows at night, spraying the substance through the screen to the drug enters the family, and then crawling inside. That's kind of horrible. Where's the husbands? That's what, yeah. But it wasn't until their trial, which took place almost two years later in 2011, that the full scope of the crimes came to light. Transcripts read like a horror movie script. Victims ranged in age of from 3 to 65. The youngest had broken a broken hymen um, Sad. Uh, from finger penetration. The girls and the women were married, single, residents, visitors, mentally Infirm. So those guys are sickos, basically. Yes. Through it never discussed and was not part of the legal case, residents privately told me that men and boys were raped, too. Wow, they were sick. Yes. In 2011, the veterinarian who supplied the anesthetic spray was sentenced to 12 years in prison, and the rapists were each sentenced to 25 years, five years shy of the Bolivian maximum penalty. Official, officially, there was over 130 victims and at least one person from more than half of Minnetoba County, or colony, households. But not all those raped were included in the legal case. And it believed the, no the true number of victims was much, much higher. It's crazy. How'd they get by that so many years? It's crazy. No one ever suspected anything. Well, because they thought God was just letting it happen. So, see how, again, I, I just tied that all into a nice little package. We started out and... and <clears throat> so, moral of the story, kids, is you can believe in God, but don't believe in God if you think that they're... God letting... let you get raped? <laughs> yeah. All right, kids. I think that's enough for this week. Um, well, not for this week, but for today. Come back tomorrow, and we're going to have a super podcast fest with 
everybody as we celebrate episode 52 and we're actually still going we've we've made it one year so come back tomorrow and we're going to have a good time and we're going to figure out uh, a topic because this sometimes it's okay to go in blind in a podcast and see what happens but when you have what six or seven people yeah we're going to have definitely have you know some topic going on um real fast before i close up you were talking about ps4 being released on the 17th um how much are they four hundred dollars damn that's cheap. I was thinking about putting it on my credit card, but I don't think I have four. Because my PlayStation, <laughs> yeah. I, I paid $400 for my PlayStation. Really? It's, yeah, it's she's got a 500 gig. I have a 500 gig, though. Damn. Yeah, yeah it'll never run out of space. <laughs> I, because I think at this point, Jaden wants a Wii U, and... Uh, well, I don't want you to dis- disown me, so I'm not going to buy the Xbox One. I would just like if you bought a PlayStation Three, even. Yeah. Because <laughs> in that way, you can get a mic, and we could uh, we could talk to the PlayStation. <laughs> Doing podcasting. You could, yeah, you could. You have the audio from the TV going straight to the computer. It's a viability thing. Ever happened? We had to be far away from you. Right. Um. So come back tomorrow. And and we're gonna celebrate. So let's just run down who's all gonna be there. Um, scheduled, definitely gonna be here tomorrow. Is gonna be myself, Aaron, Rebecca, um, S. Eddie Burbank is gonna be here. Terry D. Shear, my wife Lacey Montoya, and Reaper Rick. And I've mentioned this before, and I'll mention it again. I can't wait to see Reaper Rick and Terry Shear together in the same space at one time because i'm thinking the world just might implode so <laughs> i'm really excited about that um unscheduled guest appearances um alan russo the movie madhouse gang um mike jason and rob and i think we're supposed to we're scheduled for a special guest of larry walton who was doing Saturday segments for us in the beginning. And I think, I haven't confirmed this one, but I think uh, singer-songwriter, director, Creeperson is is even going to stop in. So we've got stuff lined up for tomorrow, and I'm really excited. So for this week, I am David K. Montoya. I'm Rebecca C. Lofgren. And I'm Aaron Illich. And if you're not into like just weird ass, bizarre stories, ass raping stories, yes, then you might be seeing red. See you tomorrow, folks, for episode 52. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us for this episode of, uh, Flashback Friday. I don't know, uh, if Dave is taking over next week, but I appreciate you stopping in and we will talk with you next week. Bye bye.